Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Andrew Velez, River Brown, and John Carlos. And this is now episode 144. In this episode, we are going to talk about Kyrie Irving's return, reports about Kawhi being on track to come back, Jalen Smith's recent play, Julius Randle calling out Knicks fans, if LeBron is still the best player in the NBA, and more. A quick Patreon shout out to Max, Freddie, Dylan, Playboy, Orlando, Chris, Charles, Michael, Greg, Cole, On Bluzz, Liam, T Grove, B Money, Ryan, Epic Lankiness, Travis Ball, Aaron Moran, Matthew Jimenez, It's Black Ace, Anthony, BJ, PJs, Mario, Langston, Jazzy Juice, Johannes, Ruben, Brian, Ricky, E, Enzo, Sean, Muffins, John, Sean Triplett, Court Cousins, Ben Mack, P. Dot, George, Akari, Mateen, Dave Two Freedom, and Jay Aqua. Good old Jay Aqua, man. It's Yo, forty. It's, it's forty-one names. We are at we're at two hundred we're at two hundred dollars right now in terms of feel bad now we should feel great about that I feel bad that he has to read all that because I'm not doing it I don't feel bad at all Uh, someone in the comments said it they were like man even if it gets to a hundred this is just a pick aside thing you guys got to read all the names that's a fact though it's a fact though listen if it gets to a hundred Joel I'm sorry that's like a three minute intro bro to the show I don't know is there a way where you is there a way where you could just get everybody's like get a picture of something and just put it up there where you don't have to just like, you know, that's definitely possible. I feel like a hundred is the number though. Like after we get over a hundred Patreon, that's when we got to shut it down. Listen, man, if it gets to that, it gets, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I think there's going to be a point where we stop it, but we will keep saying the name. When people first join, we'll say the new members names. The new ones that are like, you know, for people who joined that month, but I don't know. Cause Jay Aqua, I think good old Jay Aqua is like the perfect segue into whatever we're we're talking about. Yeah. So earlier this week, if you guys watched last show, uh, I said that I was sick and I actually tested positive for COVID and I've been coughing before we started recording. I've been coughing a lot. I still have some congestion. It is going away though. But hopefully we can be back in the studio by next week. Right now, we're all kind of remote. Uh, Andrew is in Miami currently, even though the Dolphins are out of the playoffs. Um, But he is in Miami right now. JC's at his house. River's at his house. But yeah, we're just isolating right now because uh, COVID has been super spreading. Yeah, I am isolating. Yeah, Everybody... And my family has COVID, though. Like, my step... My, my dad's girlfriend has COVID. <coughs> my dad has COVID. My brother didn't get it, surprisingly. My mom probably has it. Um, My cousin probably has it. Damn. So, I went to go get tested for COVID. And you know how they put the... the they put the cotton swab... That is that what it's called? That's what it's called, right? The cotton swab? Like, the little... The, the Q-tip. Thing for, the, you're right. Uh-huh. The Q-tip. They put the Q-tip in my nose, and this side of my nose is, is really sensitive. Like, I mean, it is really sensitive. I can pick my boogers and I start bleeding. So this guy with the Q-tip was rubbing my nose. And then next thing I know, I started bleeding relentlessly out of my nose. Mm. And he was like, oh, it's okay. During this time of year, everybody's nose is pretty sensitive. He was like, you want some (laughs) napkins? He was like, you want some napkins? I was like, no fucking duh. I want some (laughs) napkins. No, no duh. I want some. 
So this is going to be an excellent show. We have a lot of uh, really great topics in this show that probably can spark up some debate. I know the later topics definitely will, the LeBron one and the Curry one, because, you know, that is Riven Drew specialty. This episode, I will be making my apology to Chicago Bulls fans. I I was planning on doing it for the This Week in the NBA segment, but if you guys want me to do it sooner, I can do it sooner. You're talking start. to us? Yes. You can start. You can start. I'm waiting. Okay. <laughs> start as the show with an apology. Let me hear it. I have it written down. Let me go. It's actually... <laughs> let, me, let me... Okay. <clears throat> I'm getting ready to say it. It's really tough for me um, because I did not expect for this to happen, but here it goes. I, Joel Moran, would like to apologize for my blatant disrespect of the Chicago Bulls. I like to make this apology out to Bulls fans, Riv, DeMar, and Lonzo. I overlooked how great their offseason was in favor of what my Knicks did only to be disappointed. I will never again doubt the greatness of Seton Hall legend AK, the coach of the year Billy Donovan, the glorious, and the role player of the year Alonzo Ball. The Bulls have proven themselves to be much more than just a middle-of-the-pack team. They are true contenders, and my oversight of that has left me ashamed and in disarray. Sincerely, Joel. I apologize to the Bulls community and Bulls fans everywhere. We accept, my boy. We accept. I'm glad you finally came to the light, man. Yeah. You know, I think what really what really made me come to the light was the fact that Lonzo was such a great role player. And I think that is uh, something that I had to, you know, state. He's he's a great role player. As an honorary Bull for the season, I also accept your apology. How are you an honorary Bull? Bro, I've been riding with the Bulls all season. But you I didn't said make be- that. But you didn't make whoa, that this whoa. year. Like this was my team in the East. You didn't say Bef- that before things got really serious with them being actual contenders. When JC called me crazy for saying that they could actually come out of the East before you were even saying that you guys could come out of the East. So I'm gonna give myself that honorary Bulls title. Okay, fair. Okay, well all you right. picked them. You picked them to be the seventh seed. <laughs> preseason regular season start listen again preseason rankings are preseason rankings hey man it is what it one, is number one seen the league one, man comfortably once once the once the season starts that's when you actually can start to evaluate and that's what i did and i'm not again i jumped on ship at the perfect time i don't even know if you actually picked them to be um the seventh seed. i just guessed Bro, guess. i don't know what you did i think i think they were i think they were six or seven so you weren't too far off Okay, and on to the first topic of the show. The biggest highlight of this past week is that Kyrie Irving returned versus the Pacers on Wednesday. <laughs> he dropped 22 points in 32 minutes, 9 for 17, 0 for 2 from 3. And what do you think about Kyrie Irving's return? What does this do for Brooklyn? Do you think this is going to help them along the way throughout the season? Is it too little too late because he is just playing in away games what do you think? Because you are the Nets fan on this show, JC, I am going to start with you. Um, You know, uh, seeing the game against Indiana, he definitely added that scoring spark that we've been lacking. Um, With James Harden, Kevin Durant, usually when they're in a the lineup, they're surrounded around, you know, not the best floor spacers in general. Patty Mills is probably the best one. Joe Harris has been out for a while. So 
I noticed when Patty Mills isn't consistently hitting his three ball at a 43, 44% clip space in the floor, all hell goes loose. They trap James Harden. They force these other guys like Bembry and all these other guys to make plays. So, you know, it's not really in their role or in their game to be making decisions or have the ball in their hand because they're role players. Um, we started out the game slow, though, against Indiana. Obviously, we're down 17, I think 17, 19 points. Um, and I just think, you know, the chemistry factor, you know, we needed a continuity. Kyrie Irving hasn't played since his last game against Milwaukee in the playoffs. I believe it was game four where he got injured. So he hasn't played. So we were all just, as Nets fans, we were wondering, like, is, is he still in shape? You know, are his handles, you know, can he still play NBA level basketball? And in that game, he proved it. I mean, he dropped 22 points in that game. Uh, he definitely helped us in the fourth quarter, gave us a spark. Uh, James Harden wasn't really that good that game, but I think it was more so of like trying to build chemistry because one night you're asking James Harden to essentially average 22 to 25 points per game and get double digit assists. But with Kyrie in the lineup, that's somebody who, we saw last year could give you 27 points per game on good efficiency and, you know, take the burden off James Harden needing to score that many points. Um, but, you know, the team looked good. Um, but I noticed like at home, the Nets are struggling. I believe we're just a 500 team at home um, on the road. It's actually where we have the second or the the first or second best road record in the entire NBA. So we don't have a problem really playing on the road. Um, so, I mean, Kyrie Irving is definitely going to help. He's going to, pretty much ensure more times than not with him on the court that we are going to win those games. But, you know, I think I just look into the playoffs, like, let's say we get a, let's say we get a first, second round series. We have home court advantage and let's just say we go to seven and, you know, one series we're home. He's not going to be able to participate in that game. And that's kind of neutralizing the team. So uh, I believe come playoff time, I think maybe Kyrie Irving might have a change to heart in the vaccine stance knowing that a championship is on the line. But uh, other than that, you know, he's a great addition to have on the road. But, you know, we don't – not that we don't need him because we do, but I would much rather him as a full-time player because he would help where we're struggling at right now, which is at home in the Barclays Center, where I believe we're 10 and 10. So, um, you know, hopefully he has a change of heart and, you know, hopefully this all gets situated and we can have him as a full-time player because the East is getting stronger. Everybody's getting better. The Bulls, everybody who I undermined and – you know, I think we're going to need a full team if we want to make it out the East. So, Riv, you you actually thought that Kyrie was going to come back, and he did, in fact, come back. I believe you picked him up in fantasy. Yes, that's why. He, he drafted him. Back. He drafted him in fantasy. I drafted him. <clears throat> um, and I wanted to ask you, JC, before I went on, mm-hmm. what's what happened to Joe Harris? Like, I honestly don't know. He just hasn't played in a while. Like, what so, actually happened to Joe Harris? So, um. It was diagnosed uh, an ankle sprain, and it mm-hmm. was a uh, it was like a, a a week or two recovery rate. But then uh, they did X rays, and they found a couple of like I think shattered like you know like shattered bones, oh, just okay. Frag- like, bone fragments, like, mm-hmm. uh, bone fragments. So he opted to get surgery, and that's why he's been out for a while. So he's coming will back. He be, so. Yeah, I was about to ask, will he be back he's for the playoffs? Two weeks, he'll be back. He they said okay, he's cool. Okay. pretty well so um yeah because i was wondering i've been looking at nets game. i'm like yo bro he has not played i thought he got benched or something <laughs> he just hasn't played in a long it time really um, you look at that indiana game and you can just see it the morale was high everybody was happy to see Kyrie. kd was happy james harden was happy the team was just happy to see him you know they're happy to play with him but like jc said and i think 
I don't think Kyrie's needed for games like this against Indiana, against Detroit, like against Orlando, like these type of games. They were down 17. I understand that. But I don't think Kyrie is I think Kyrie's needed for games like last night against the Bucks, games against the Bulls, against the Warriors, against the Suns. These games they haven't won. They have not beat none of these teams yet. So I think yeah. Kyrie's needed for those type of games because I think when you look at this team and you look at the East, you look at the Bucks, you look at Miami. As constructed right now, the Nets are going to struggle in those series. Like those series can go either way. Those are going to be very challenging series. And the one key is Kyrie puts them over the top in all those series. If he comes back, the Nets, you put them over against the Bulls. You put them over against Milwaukee. You put them over against Miami. So I think, you know, Kyrie coming back, I think it's good because it shows he's, you know, he's now stepping in like, all right, maybe I understand what's at stake here. I'm going to come back. They're, they're coming to an agreement, but eventually you need him for that vaccine. But uh, you need him to take that vaccine so eventually he could play. But his performance, Kyrie's talented. Kyrie's one of the most talented players in NBA history. You you didn't, you didn't can see it. The flash was there. The hands was still there. When you're that talented, no, I don't, I, in my opinion, I don't think you need much time to get back on the court. A couple practices, a couple scrimmages. When you just have the talent and the gift, to play ball, I think that's just going to come. And you saw it. The skills was there. The moves were still there. And in the fourth quarter, he came and he showed up when he needed to. Like I said, though, games against the Bucks. you know, they haven't beaten the Bucks. They haven't beaten the Bulls. Golden State beat them. You know, the Suns beat them. Those games, Kyrie is needed. Like, he needs to be there for those games because they need his offensive output to show up. But nonetheless, for not just that performance, I think Kyrie was great on defense, great on offense. You know, I feel like he was, he looked fine to me. He looked like he he wasn't out of breath. He looked in game shape to me. So I would give him like an A-plus for that performance. I thought he was spectacular. A A plus is a very generous grade and I can understand it, especially come down to stretch 10 points of his 22 came in the fourth quarter. That's Kyrie Irving. He's one of the most clutch players in the NBA that we have in our game today. He's one of the most clutch clutch players in NBA history. If I'm being completely honest, a plus is a little bit strong. I mean, he did shoot nine to 17 great, great field goal percentage. Didn't hit his threes zero for two. That being said, ball handling, you can always count on Kyrie to be one of the best ball handlers, if not the best ball handler in the league. I love seeing very first time he gets the ball, top of the key, hits it between his legs, gets it behind his back and goes to take his fader. That's basically his signature Kyrie move. Missed it, but it just goes to show you Kyrie has been working. Kyrie has been in the gym. He, he knew this moment would inevitably come, and he was preparing for it, and he definitely stepped up to the plate. I wouldn't give him an A-plus yet. I want to see him start to get be a little bit more consistent with that jump shot. The jump shot was hitting around mid-range, but we're going to start to see him extend beyond the three-point range, and he'll start hitting. He's been 50-40-90 his entire net career. He's, he's that type of ball player. He is one of the most efficient, one of the most clutch. He can do basically everything for you on a court. And it was a great performance for me. I wouldn't give him an A-plus. I'd probably give him an A-minus, B-plus. But those, those A-plus games are going to come. He's Kyrie Irving, one of the best ball players in this league. Now, in the grand scheme of things, this is where I start to get a little bit upset because you bring Kyrie Irving to the Nets, this is when things start to get a little bit unfair. Unfair in the sense that when the Nets have Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, I don't care who any other team is putting out there, this is one of the most unbeatable teams 
in, in the NBA period. The best offensive team we've ever seen with Kevin Durant already averaging almost 30 points a clip on higher than 50% efficiency. James Harden being one of the best playmakers on top of being one of the best scorers of all time. And you have Kyrie Irving, one of the most efficient, one of the best scorers, one of the best ball handlers, if not the best ball handler in NBA history. It's a lot of things going on right now where you have Patty Mills, who's been very good as in his role for the Brooklyn Nets up until this point. LaMarcus Aldridge, who has been giving them good minutes down low. Nicholas Claxton, who started to heat up as of late. So this team, if Kyrie Irving decides that he take he wants to take the vaccine, he would definitely be well needed at in those games at home. As JC mentioned, they struggle right now at home on the road. They don't need him, really. Kyrie Irving, where that's going to be the only way that he's going to get on the course by playing road games. That's, but that, that that's just a little bit of extra gravy for, for the Nets at that point, they need Kyrie Irving when they're at Barkley center where they seem to struggle a little bit. And it, it's tough to, to say that, Oh, Kyrie just needs to take the vaccine J- just cause he's, he seems pretty firm on this stance. I mean, if he wants to get on the court as soon as possible, he takes the Johnson and Johnson shot. That's one shot. He'll be on the court within the next two weeks. So it, it, it could be that simple, but, I don't know where he stands, and I don't think anyone knows where he stands to firmly say he's going to do this, he's going to do that. So it's a huge wait and see, but it was definitely exciting to see Kyrie Irving step onto that court again. He's Kyrie Irving. You you can't expect anything less than greatness when he's on the court. I'm worried about the Nets. That That's what I come away with this with. Um, I get that Kyrie Irving has come back for away games, but I don't think that's what the Nets need. They're 14-3 and three on the road. They're 10-10 and 10 at home. And they're at home. They've been flat out embarrassing. I sat front court. I sat I sat baseline. I watched front and center. The Nets completely get blown off the court by the Memphis Grizzlies without Dylan Brooks, without Kyle Anderson. They did have Ja. They did have Bain. And they had Jaron Jackson still. But Jaron Jackson struggled in that game. And the Nets got blown out. The only reason they came back in that game was because the bench was the spark in it. Javon Carter, Cam Thomas coming in and giving a huge spark. Bruce Brown. The Nets have very, very big holes. And Sean Marks has not done a good good enough job at addressing them, particularly at the center position. Nick Claxton is not good enough. He is young. He is an ascending player. But he is not good enough right now. And I frankly don't think Kyrie Irving is going to change his stance on the vaccine. I think his morals are very sound in what he believes in. He believes in him strongly and he's not going to compromise his health, what he believes for basketball. I think he feels like this is a bigger than basketball stance. So I don't think he's going to get the vaccine. And somebody brought up an excellent point. I want to bring up two points that, that, that people brought up that were excellent points. And I don't want to take credit for this. Somebody on TikTok, his name is MJ. He has like this show called Real Talk MJ. He made a point about maybe the Nets don't want a top seed. And at first I was like, why? And then he said, because if they have a game seven, Kyrie won't play. Kyrie won't play at home. If you have a game seven, if you're the Nets, you, you would much rather play away, which is so juxtaposed to what teams would normally do. And then I read an article on The Ringer about Kyrie and how He's the perfect part-time player. The reason for that is because a player like Clay, who moves off the ball and navigates around screens, players around him have to build chemistry with him. Kyrie Irving, 66% of his baskets in that Pacers game 
were unassisted. I mean, he's a guy who you can just plug in anywhere. He's an ISO scorer. He can be a part-time player, and he can excel tremendously in that role because he doesn't need to get into the flow of things. He is the flow. He creates his own offense. I, I don't think this fixes the Nets. I think the Nets have some real legit holes. The spacing is atrocious. You have DeAndre Bembry and James Johnson and Claxton on the court at the same time sometimes. I mean, the spacing is atrocious. I don't think the Nets are winning a championship this year. And it pains me to say that, to say that because I'm a James Harden fan. But even if Kyrie and Harden and KD all play, I have to take into account that one, Kyrie's going to be there 50% of the time. And even with Kyrie, they're not what you think they are, Drew. They are not this unbeatable team with Kyrie. They are still very vulnerable and they have major holes that teams like the Heat, like the Bulls, like the Bucks can very well expose. Oh, Drew, he was talking to you. <laughs> Tell you what, though, I, I feel like there's a stat that says when KD and and KD, Kyrie, and Harden all play, which has been very few times. I remember it was nine times last regular season they played the series against the the Boston Celtics. I I'm almost positive they they've barely lost a game. And offensive rating wise, they have one of the highest lost, offensive ratings lost, in the NBA. Jason Tatum beat them. That that was the one game, correct? Yeah, that and and it took Jason Tatum dropping 50 points for them to lose that game. Uh I think that as long as you have James Harden hitting his shots come playoff time. The the point to take into account that you said is is 100% sound. You have Kyrie Irving 50% of the time if he's deciding not to take the vaccine. If you do believe that and if that d- does come into fruition where he does not take the vaccine, he's only playing 50% of the series, then I'm with you. I I you need Kyrie Irving 100% in for this team to be what I do think that it can be once it's all together. That being said, I agree with what you're saying. If Kyrie Irving is going to be there 50% of the time, you're going to have to rely on what has been going on of late with the Nets where they have mediocre spacing at best. They're, they're playing lineups that are a little bit questionable, but you're relying on Kevin Durant to be Kevin Durant, which he has been. And it's been, it's been working for a good portion of the season. And you have Harden who has been cooking up of late started the season off slow, but we're slowly but surely starting to see Harden come a little bit more comfortable in that Nets offense. It all comes down to two things for me. Because I I know KD is going to be KD come playoff time. It's going to come down to if Kyrie won is going to be all in. If Kyrie's all in, I have no worries about the Nets. And if two, James Harden is going to be James Harden come playoff time. That those Those are the biggest questions because as long as you have that big three, this big three is good enough to get you to the finals. I don't know if it's good enough to win the finals, but this big three talent wise offensively is good enough to get you there. Well, I want to, you know, I think with Kyrie, it's not just if he's all in thing, it's health too. you know, two, two key playoff runs to the finals. Kyrie has been injured last year and the year with LeBron James 2015. I believe it was. Yeah, he gets hurt, misses that they go to the finals last year, a crucial year for them if he plays. People people say they probably wouldn't have went to the finals. It was a big chance they could have went to the finals. He gets hurt. I think, like you said, and and for them for uh, for the, I forgot the guy you name. I think real talk MJ or was it the second guy where you said the Nets don't want they want to play on the road in the playoffs. They're a second seed right now, so for them they will have to drop. And even then, that's still a really tough like to go in on to go into the playoffs on the road. And to see the teams that they're going to have, they're going to have to see two top teams out of Miami, Milwaukee, 
in Chicago. They're going to have to see at least two top teams in the second round and third. And maybe even a tough team in the first round. I'm not going to say, you know, Philly's a great team, but that's still a tough series nonetheless, especially for them because that's a bad matchup for them. Even, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's still a tough task to ask, you know? And Harden, he got hurt last year. It, it's it's going to be tough for them. But I think, I, like, I'm not, I'm not going to say their holes aren't glaring, but I think, you know, David Duke, he's come on strong. You know, he's he's a solid player. When Joe Joe Harris comes back, he's going to create some more spacing. Hopefully, he can hit in the playoffs. Patty, man, like I think their lineup when Joe Harris comes back, and hopefully if Kyrie, whatever he decides, just like I think that lineup of Kyrie, Harden, Mills, Harris, KD, that's a pretty da- dangerous lineup. You know, all five guys can shoot, all five guys can space the floor, and then you really can't double team. I understand the Claxton thing. Yeah, that's going to suck, you know, because for teams like Milwaukee and Philly, you know, that is going to trouble you. You know, you saw it against the in the Philly game and B just imposed his will. So it, it's going to be tough. But I think the the holes are glaring. But like like Drew said, when you have three guys at that type of talent, you know, they are they should be able to overcome those glaring holes. But, but listen to what you said right there. You mentioned David Duke like this is who the Nets are trying to put their faith in. The, the Nets yeah. are trying to put their faith in in guys who are either too young or who are washed. If it wasn't for LaMarcus Aldridge coming to the Nets this season, their depth would, would be in 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 dreadful shape. I mean, Paul yeah. Millsap is not Garbage. who he once was at all. Paul nice. Millsap is not a good player. And for example, like let me I, I I'm just gonna com- use this com- do this comparison. I think Tory Craig is better than Paul Millsap right now. I think Fuan Toscano Anderson is better than Paul Millsap right now. And oh, easily. we're talking about Paul Millsap, somebody that before this season, we were creating graphics of him <laughs> featured on this team. Like he was part of like this super, super dynamic, unstoppable team when he's a shadow of who he once was. Blake Griffin, we haven't even mentioned him, but he is, you know, inconsistent. He's just, he, you know, he is what he is now. He's not who he once was. So, they, they're either relying on guys who are too young, players that are too old and they're not who they once were, or players that offensively give you a lot but defensively don't bring anything to the table. They sound like the Lakers. This is so foul. How could you say that when we're playing great basketball right now? <laughs> I don't know. I just I feel like, you know, them having those guys, you know, James Johnson, Bembry, you know, granted, offensively they're probably not that good, but defensively they do they do give you something. So, and you know, um, Riv, do you think that uh the Nets should still cut Bembry? No, 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 he's he's proving his worth for them. He's proving his worth for them. I got a lot of I got a lot of flack for that on, on Twitter, but he's he's definitely proving his. He's one of their best defenders. But that's even still, that's like not saying much, you know. Like for me personally, that's not really saying anything. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, he is one of their best defenders. But I, you're right. They do have some holes. But what do you like? What? Because we're saying they have holes, but I don't think they can really fix it at this point in time. Like they, the their best chance, be the I think thing. their best chance was was getting JaVale McGee and they missed out on him. Maybe Thad Young is a possible target who can probably help them. Um, really, it's it's tough because there's really no players on the market right now that, that can really help them and what they need right now. So they have to just, and also James Harden has to be, has to be better. I mean, just not too long ago he had back to back to back thirty point games, but he's followed that up with nineteen, eighteen, and sixteen. Like he has to be better himself. And we see it sometimes, but we see flashes in it. And in order for the Nets to be this unstoppable trio, we think they can be Harden has to be MVP Harden, Houston Harden. 
And right now he looks like a better version of what he was in OKC, which is, you know, he's he can be great. But, you know, even though he's leading the league in assists or tied for first right now, he's still turning the ball over way too much. And it's costing the Nets. Sure. And he has to be better. The Nets are hoping for a title this season. Another team that's hoping for a title that might have gotten their championship aspiration hopes up a little bit this past week are the Los Angeles Clippers because Kawhi Leonard is ahead of schedule and in his rehab from his torn ACL and he amped his workload as of this recent past week and looks stronger and stronger. Now, Mm. if Kawhi Leonard returns, what are the chances that you give the Clippers to make the NBA finals and come out of the Western conference? Ah, I, that's that's tough. I don't I don't give them too much of a chance. And I'm a big Clippers fan. I'm a big Paul George fan. But I think when you look at this team, it's just too many injuries right now. You know, Paul George has been out. You know, Marcus Morris has been in and out of the lineup. Luke Kennard has been in and out of the lineup. The only consistence have been Reggie Jackson and Bledsoe. You know, Sergi Baca, he's still trying to find his way. This team has just been, you know, they're sitting at 19 and 20 right now. They're ninth seed, I believe, or just hovering in that plane. I think if they can make a run, Right. So about a fifth seed, you know, maybe a fourth seed. Then Kawhi can maybe look at it and be like, all right, you know, four fifth seed. We can probably beat the fourth seed if I play, you know, and then, you know, we'll have to we'll have to see the Warriors or the Suns. They probably would much rather see the Suns, I I feel like, considering last year how they looked at it. Paul George and them gave them a tough series in six. Kawhi probably makes seven. You know, they probably want to see the Suns more. But even though I don't think. Kawhi's scared of either the Suns or the Warriors. I think he'll play regardless, but I think it really just depends on how the, the Clippers, you know, finish this stretch run because the Clippers are a really good team. I think if they're healthy, they're one of the best teams in the West. They're a top three team in the West for me. If they are healthy, if Kawhi and Paul George are healthy, because they have a solid group of guys next to Kawhi and Paul George, they have the proper spacing. You know, they have defense, they have rebounding, they can go small, they can go big. So they're really pretty, they're a pretty good group of guys. It's just health. And I think, if you know, like I said, if they make a strong run down this and they get fourth or fifth, Kawhi should play. But if they're still hovering in the six, seven, or the playing range, I feel like just let Paul George and this group ride it out. If they can make a Cinderella run, maybe. But I think Kawhi should just because you know Kawhi should just rest up this year, get ready for next year because they're both locked up for for, for this year and next year. So I, I don't see any rush. Reggie Jackson's locked up. Marcus Morris is locked up. They're probably not going to bring Serge back. You see some nice things from Brandon Boston Jr. You know, he's been really good for them. So I think at that point, you just can rest up this year and get ready for a run next year. I kind of disagree. I feel as if you traded all these draft picks away for Paul George. You made that big splash move because Kawhi wanted to come to L.A. He wanted to make L.A. his town. And you bring in Paul George, you trade these plethora of picks away uh, to, to OKC. But why when Kawhi seems to be ahead of schedule and we saw the type of basketball that the Clippers can play even without Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs against the Suns, against the Utah Jazz, who right now we're looking at two of the three best teams in the Western Conference and they beat the Utah Jazz and they gave the Suns a hell of a series. Personally, if Kawhi's ready to go and he says, I'm 100 percent, I'm not there's no leash on on my limits. And when I'm on the court. And Paul George is healthy if he's coming back from his injury and he's the Paul George that we're all expecting him to be. We see what this Clippers team can be when they're at full strength, like you mentioned. Do, do, uh, excuse me. Do you look at other teams right now in the Western Conference 
as it currently stands and say these teams are definitively better than the Clippers, yes. You look at the Suns, you look at the Warriors, you look at Utah. I understand that that discrepancy between them and the Clippers. Utah? That being said, of the three teams, you're taking Utah or the Clippers? Right Clippers. now, you're taking Utah. Oh, oh right wait, now. the Clippers oh, oh, help. Oh, right. Wait, okay. oh, I'm talking. I, I thought you meant Clippers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. No, sorry. I'm saying right right now, it's hard to say. You look at those three teams, they're the most dominant right now in the Western Conference. That being said, you bring in a healthy Paul George, you bring in a healthy Kawhi Leonard. This team can compete with any team. I, like you mentioned, Kawhi Leonard defensively is the most versatile defender that this league has to offer. Name another. I really couldn't tell you. Draymond's better. Draymond's, Draymond's better. <laughs> Draymond's more versatile Wait, than Drew, Kawhi Leonard. Yes. Drew, let me yes. ask you. Let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. And on top of that, he adds 25 points per game. That's what Draymond can Looking at, But looking at Kawhi's history concern, you think it's smart to bring him back in, in, in a situation like that if they're not a high seed? Given what you gave up. Especially if he's locked. This, if they're both locked up. Given what you put together. Given what you gave up, excuse me, to put this team together, it would be borderline irresponsible for them not to go out and get it while they can. I understand this year is a wash, but even last year, look at the Lakers. LeBron came back two games uh, for the, before the playoffs started. AD was not 100%, but these guys and said— do you think that was smart? Trying to, not necessarily, but regardless of that, you still got to give it a go. We saw that the Lakers still almost took out a team that went to the finals. We saw what the Clippers can do at full strength. We believed, you and I, that if the Clippers were fully healthy, they were going to the finals and could have potentially beat Milwaukee. Could, yes, they beat, could they beat the Lakers in a playoff series fully healthy? Right now? Fully healthy, like Kawhi, PG. Would they beat you guys? I mean, right right now without AD, sure. No, I'm talking, well, you guys fully healthy too with AD. I think I'll take us over anyone, truthfully, oh but God. that's maybe my um, bias. But I don't really care. But but Drew, listen. But you got, you got to think about it like this too. I think you're you're forgetting that you know, like you said, you guys brought AD back, LeBron back. You tried to make a run, obviously. But with the Clippers, I get it. They they traded everything. They traded all their picks. But you, everybody's locked up for the next year. You have to look at the future and think. We don't want another year lost. Do you like but that? But you don't want to. But you don't. With Kawhi's injuries concerned, you don't want to put that on his body. You want to. If listen, if it's if next year we have him for a full season, I'm rather I rather make that run next year. You know what I'm saying? Because he's he's already locked up for next year. You feel me? I agree with what but you're saying to in- an extent. But this season, you do know the the OKC Thunder. They own the Clippers' first round pick. You, you are going to give OKC a high first round pick if that happens. That's not what I'm saying. You want to compete, yes? Because yes. if they if they get a six seed, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would bring Kawhi back. Then I, that's why I said if they get a fifth or six seed. I would bring Kawhi back. But if they get like an eighth, seventh, why go in there in a dog fight with not even 100 percent Kawhi? But then again, like we've like we've spoken about at full strength. Excuse me. Without being at full strength, they gave the Suns a hell of a series last year. The Suns are better this year, without a doubt. I agree. But now you bring Kawhi back into the mix. You're bringing in a more confident Paul George now. But this is telling a me that this Kawhi though. This is a Kawhi a year removed. But who, who knows? We don't know what what month, what time, which game he's going to come back. Now it's probably going to be around April, May. That being said, if he has a few games to get his feet underneath him, you're telling yeah. me you're still not contemplating. It depends, bro. We bro. Kawhi got hurt against Utah series, and we didn't know he tore his ACL into the finals. Mm-hmm. It was so a partial like, tear, which is why I'm a little bit more lenient or more confident to allow him to, 
to come back and be. I'll, I'll push back on that a little good. bit because I think the Clippers probably always knew it was that, but we never they never fully ruled Kawhi out just in case they made the finals. But once once the Clippers were out, then they announced that yeah, he was never going to come back regardless. But they were always keep, keeping that window open for him if they mm-hmm. did in fact make the finals. Would you bring Kawhi back, JC? Um, whew, this is this is a tough question. Um, it's just there's a lot of variables involved in it. Um, she, I kind of agree with River in the sense that if you know if the Clippers can turn their season around and maybe get the sixth to fifth seed and maybe have it a per se easier opponent rather than being in the play in having to play that and then having to get rewarded with playing either the Warriors, the Suns, it. it, it it's tough because, you know, obviously this team is decimated with injuries. And I and in some sense, I kind of agree with Drew. Like, this is a team that you put all your chips in. First year, you kind of blew a 3-1 lead in, 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 in the bubble to the Denver Nuggets. Next year, you know, you have a you have an injury to Kawhi Leonard. And honestly, for I feel bad for Clippers fans because that was probably like in the worst time that you that that injury could have happened because We've seen with Paul George against the Suns last year, took him to six games. If Paul George hits a couple free throws, that's a series that could go seven. And I'm of the mindset that I think Kawhi Leonard, and when he's healthy and playing, I tweeted it a while ago. A couple people agree with me, a couple people don't. But I'm, he's a top five player in the NBA. He's he's to me, he's the best two way player in basketball. And anytime you can add that to a team, that's only going to propel them to certain heights. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on the court, that's a championship contending team. And you know, the injury history with Kawhi Leonard, like it, it is kind of like it is kind of a little uneasy because we've seen seasons in San Antonio where they forced him to come back and he ended up missing the whole season. And, you know, he ended up leaving San Antonio. So the injury history with Kawhi Leonard is definitely scary. But if they could get the sixth to fifth seed, I would like him, I would like him against a series against Dallas. I would like him against a series even against potentially Utah or any other team. I just Agreed. don't think. I just think they're obviously susceptible to a healthy Warriors and the Phoenix Suns, but anybody else along below those two, I think the Clippers, I think the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard and everybody healthy can take them. We've seen Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard, when he plays, he's one of the best postseason basketball players of all time. He's had one of the best postseason runs of all time in Toronto. And even last year in his first year in the Clippers, averaged 30 points per game in the playoffs, turns into this two-way demon. There was series he was battling with Luca when Luca was cooking everybody. You Second put Kawhi Leonard on him. You put the next series when Donovan Mitchell's dropping 40 points, you put Kawhi Leonard on him. Essentially becomes neutralized. So I'm I'm with the mindset of River. If they could get anywhere from the sixth to fifth seed, I give it a go. You you have to give it a go. You just can't you just can't waste a year. But if he's in if the Clippers hover around the play-in six uh, or the seven or eight seed, I just don't think I don't think it's worth it. I don't. I mean, last playoffs, Kawhi had five 30 plus point games out of the eleven games that he played in. And getting him back, it would do wonders for the Clippers. I feel like they're in such a they're in such a weird position because the championship window is closing. It it, is. It's closing. It, it, yeah. And I, I think have to make the, most the Clippers it. and the Nets have the same time for a championship window. I think the Nets championship window was really last season. That's when they had their best chance. This year they have a chance, but it's going to be much tougher. Next year, yeah. Harden hasn't even signed his extension yet, so he can very well leave. Kyrie either. Yeah, Kyrie either. So if they leave now, now the Nets are really in trouble for the future. With the Clippers, even though they have Kawhi and PG locked up, 
Paul George is 31. Kawhi is 30 and already had has already had some, you know, pretty some pretty significant injuries. And their team is made up of guys that they're they're good in their role, but they aren't per se game changers. Reggie Jackson is really good, but he has an injury history as well. And he stepped up because of Kawhi's absence. Now you're adding Kawhi. What is that going to do to his game? Because he needs the ball in his hands. So Kawhi coming back is he is going to neutralize what Reggie Jackson has been doing for the Clippers so far. And they don't have any picks. Like they don't have any assets to trade for a potential game changing player. And if they, they're not good this year, they're, I mean, their pick is going to OKC regardless. But if the Clippers aren't good, you're going to basically waste the season not being good and not even get compensated for it, which is why right. that I think if Kawhi is able to come back, and I mean, if he's able to come back two months before the playoffs or even like a month and a half, then I'm all for it. But if, 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 it's, if this is a situation where he is ready to come back as soon as the playoffs start, one, I don't think he's going to be ready enough to make a significant difference where he's going to be able to beat a team like Utah or Phoenix or Golden State. He has to have some time to come back from this injury. And that's the same reason why I think the Nuggets shouldn't rush Jamal back. Because if he does come back, Jamal's going to come back as soon as the playoffs start. I still don't have faith in Denver. And I even brought this thought earlier in the season that I think Denver should probably try to tank because you can get a top pick, and then next year you'd have Jamal, MPJ, Jokic, and a top prospect. And now you have, plus with Aaron Gordon, and now you have a really nice roster. I think the Clippers are in a tough situation because they kind of have to rush Kawhi out there because this championship window is closing. PG is supposed to come back in three to four weeks. Uh, evaluated. Evaluated. Okay, so that's even worse. The Clippers right now are falling in the standings, and they're the, they're the eighth seed currently, nineteen and twenty, and they don't have PG, they don't have Kawhi. Like this team is in stuck in the middle right now, and there really is no direction for them. The one thing I'll say about this team, you know, this team is you know, granted all the injuries. Drew, I don't necessarily all the way disagree with you. You know, I think if they see Dallas again, okay. Kawhi can come back. You know, if they see mm-hmm. Denver and nobody's playing, okay, Kawhi can come back. You know what I'm saying? Like, Utah, maybe only because, you know, granted, the Clippers are bad this year in offense, but they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. You know, so they still lock down. on, And that's without that's been without their two guys. You know, they still lock in on the defensive end. So I think that series, and like the small ball lineup is always going to hurt Utah. So I think in that series, you know, you can probably weigh in on that. Like, like, Joel said, you know, the, the picks is tough, but if they can get in the playoffs, it's not going to hurt him as much. You know, a late first round pick isn't going to hurt as, as much. And then with Paul George and Kawhi there, they're going to be free agents that want to come to the Clippers, you know, want to come and play for them guys who can like the Batums of the world, you know, guys like that. So they can always have that in their in their pocket. But this team is getting old. This team's window is closing. But you have to you have to, in a situation like this, you have to be careful because San Antonio messed up. They don't want to make the same mistakes San Antonio did and not have, like like JC said, because I agree with him. Kawhi is a top five player in the NBA, healthy. There is For me, there's no debate. Kawhi is a top five player in the league when he is healthy. He is the best two-way player in the league to me when he's Giannis, healthy. Giannis, that's, you got, like, both of you guys said that. Giannis doesn't come to mind immediately. He, he does. For two-way? 
And Two-way, so correct. Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis, and Giannis come but Giannis to mind. But Giannis is I, clean of OD, but AD I think right with, now with Kawhi, he can better than both of those guys. He can stop a guy like he, you're not. You're not putting Giannis on or somebody and saying, "Okay, I need you to neutralize him for this game." Giannis is more like a rim protector. With He's Kawhi, a safety perimeter. Yeah, like Kawhi, you can really put him on somebody like a Jalen Ramsey, and you'd be like, "Yo, bro, I need him out for the game." And Kawhi can do that. Plus, give you thirty efficient thirty on the mm-hmm. other end. So. For me, like I think you have to Darrell Revis. Darrell Revis, you know what I'm saying? That's Darrell Revis of the league and whatnot. But you now have I'm the awesome ago. Yo, he was good for like a one season. One hit wonder. Now he was good on the Raiders. He sucked for the Eagles. He was. Yeah, he, he signed to him. He was like a 97 overall in Madden, bro. We signed to him. And he just fell off. Like I was so Na- mad. What is his name? Namdi Asama. Yeah, Asama. Yeah, yeah, that was that, that was the fake dream team. We had the fake dream team label. We had Vic, Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, Lashawn McCoy, Namdi. We picked mad people up and we went four and twelve. You don't even know but who Corlin Finnegan is. Come on, bro. He's a corner. corner? Yeah, he got punched Didn't in the him face. And, I was going to say Andre Johnson yeah. popped him. Cortland Finnegan. I was actually thinking, while you were talking, I was thinking about another player that potentially could be in the buyout market or get traded, and he's he's actually a... He'd be a significant piece for a championship contending, contending team, and that's Eric Gordon. Mm. Like, I think he can still give a team a lot of value. He's a really great defender. He can create his own shot. He can spot up. He can shoot. He's somebody to look out for. I don't think that the Clippers could get him. I don't know what they would trade. Um, Don't don't be surprised if Eric Gordon ends up in Atlanta. That could be a good move for them. I'm going to talk about Atlanta in in this week in the NBA segment because I think they have something for him. I think Atlanta Atlanta can make a move that I want them to make that I'm going to talk about later on. Um. The Clippers lost to the Suns in the Western Conference Finals last season, and the Suns this year are the first team to 30 wins. So despite all that talk about how their run was a fluke, they are proving this season that they are one of the best teams in the NBA. Once again, they improved their roster with JaVale McGee and Landry Shamit. And one of the biggest surprises this season for them has been Jalen Smith. He was a lottery pick for the Suns. They picked him over Tyrese Halliburton. Devin Vassell, everybody went crazy, me included, when that happened. But in the last six games when he's gotten extended minutes, he's averaged 15.8 points per game, 10.2 rebounds, one block in 25 minutes, and he has a plus 9.8 differential when he is on the court. And an interesting fact, the Suns declined his option, which is going to make him a 2022 23 for unrestricted free agent of that summer. So basically next year, not this off season, but next off season, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. What do you think about the Suns being the first team to 30 wins? And what do you think about Jalen Smith basically resurrecting his career? Because I know a lot of people ruled him out, me included when he wasn't playing. Well, they just keep punching people in the mouth, me included. You know, they just keep proving the haters wrong, me included. You know what I'm saying? They just keep doing it. You know, first team to 30. It should have been the Warriors. They lost to the Pelicans, though, but I ain't going to speak on that. You know, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know. I, I didn't know that the playoffs started because Curry's playing really bad. <laughs> got him. Got him. No, that's crazy coming from a harder fan. It is. But you know what? It that's is. not here nor <laughs> there. Whatever. It is crazy. Whatever. Um, yeah, no, impressive to the Suns. 
30 wins. You know, they've just been continuing on that consistency pace. They've been a great offensive team, a great defensive team. Jalen Smith, the Chris Paul effect is real. It, the Chris Paul effect is real. Big man okay. playing with Chris Paul. Just It just feels like they have their best seasons. You know, you look at David West in the past. You look at Blake Griffin. You look at DeAndre Jordan. Like, you look at just bigs. DeAndre Aiden, he said it. Like, you look at bigs, like, they just feel like they just play so much better with Chris Paul. And that comes from being a true point guard. You know, a, a true, you know, playmaking point guard of this game. You know, Chris Paul, one of the best point guards in the game, in the NBA history, being that floor general. When you have a floor general, it just makes life easier for big men. And I think when we, you know what I'm saying, with Jalen Smith, they declined his option because I think they're in win-now mode. And I just don't think Jalen Smith fits that timeline necessarily. I think they'd rather a veteran guy, a guy with some experience. Jalen Smith, you know, he's proof. Listen, he's had three double doubles, you know, 19 and 14, 19 and 12, 11 and 14. Both of those games, he had at least one block. So he's been impressive. He's been doing and what the what the Suns have shown is no matter who goes down, you can plug in a guy. And then they'll still be good. You know, Devin Booker went down. They were still winning games. Chris Paul has been that guy. He's able to just monitor the situation and game plan and be that LeBron-like player close. Like him and LeBron are probably the smartest guys in the NBA. Chris Paul is probably the only guy who's probably on LeBron's IQ level in terms of just thinking about the game, watching the game, in terms of just being a coach on the court. Like Chris Paul is that type of smart. So I think with Jalen Smith, you know, he's been good. He's been a great roller. He's been a great screener. And he's been a great rebounder. Defensively, he's been solid, too. And definitely, he hopefully, he plays more. You know, right now, the situation could change, but he's been really good in his role. Correction, he's actually a free agent this summer. Wow. Jalen Smith. He's, he's a free agent this summer. Sign him. I was going to say, you have JaVale McGee, whose contract's going to be up at the end of this season. Now, we see the impact that JaVale McGee has had since coming to the Suns. That being said... If Jalen Smith's going to continue to play like this and continue to show development, would it would it be that terrible if the Suns decided to move off JaVale McGee? Because JaVale McGee is going to want his money. JaVale McGee has proven his worth on the Suns. We've gone over it numerous times on the show about how JaVale McGee and DeAndre Ian's numbers are pretty comparable once you look at JaVale's per 36. You don't that think said, that JaVale is a vet minimum player at this point in time? Like I, getting, do you do you see any tough. team do you see any team giving him a multi year contract? I, yeah, I don't see that happening just the because it's the Nets definitely would be one of those teams hey. that I look at that <laughs> desperately need. I, I look at said, I look at Javale McGee as Dwight Howard now, basically where he's yo, gonna. He's better than Dwight Howard. No, he no, I know, I know, but he's better than Dwight Howard. But I look at him in a way where Dwight Howard is floating from team to team every year on a one year deal. I think that's what JaVale McGee is basically going to be. You don't think JaVale can't get a three-year 15 mil? I don't know. <laughs> JaVale's been one, of, he's been one of the more I mean, consistent role-playing big men in the league. I mean, role, centers like JaVale McGee are very replaceable in the NBA. Okay. No, you told me. I agree, me. but that, but that defensive different. presence, that, that is what makes him different in my eyes. No, yeah, I, I I like Javale McGee a lot. You know, you know, I love Javale McGee a lot. <laughs> For sure, but, me and you are we see eye to eye on that. Yeah, but I just don't know if I see a team like giving him a multi-year deal. The Nets honestly was a great. That's a great choice because the Nets desperately need a big man. Thanks. Javel? That being said, to go that's on to my point, piece? I mean, I they need a, a center. Javale McGee would Javale McGee would be their missing piece if he was there. Yeah, that would help a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that would help a lot. I know you laughed. <laughs> 
when we when we talked about Javel McGee the other day. It's just funny hearing that Javel is the missing piece for a championship. That's just Come on, bro. Funny. We're living in 2022. We respect Javel and his game. No, nah, no, nah, you, you need to relax. Relax. I'm Avery just Bradley. saying, bro. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's messed up. Avery Bradley balled yesterday. Oh. He balled. All right, take it easy. You see, you you know, I want you to keep talking trash on my Lakers because it seems like whoever you trash talk, they start playing well. Malik Monk, now Avery Bradley. Who's going to be next? Stanley Johnson, right? RJ Barrett? Hey, Hayden. That's not my guy. Hey, That's why did you guy. even mention his name? I know. That was a stray. That was unnecessary. We'll talk oh, about the next. Well, but on, on to your point about uh, JaVale McGee and Jalen Smith and what you were talking about, Drew. So 100%. So it would be interesting to see if they decide to move off JaVale. JaVale's like, you know what? I actually want to sell down. I want a contract that I can work, you know, use long term. And Jalen Smith continues to show development. It wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that they throw Jalen Smith a, a contract that's not going to be too egregious where you're still getting value from that contract. And then Jalen Smith is going to continue to be on a, a prove it type mentality. Now, in terms of the Suns, in terms of Jalen Smith this season, it's going to be tough for Jalen Smith to do that because he got this opportunity because not only did JaVale McGee go down with COVID and COVID protocols, but also DeAndre Ayton went down in COVID protocols, which allowed Jalen to get this opportunity that he has gotten. And he's definitely sees it to his, most, his to his highest potential. That being said, it's going to be hard to, for him to maintain that now that both of them are, are, are cleared to, to play again. And it's going to, even though he has played very well, I don't see how the rotation would be that we start to see Jalen get more minutes. You look at last game, Cam Johnson is one of those irreplaceable players for them right now. Mikhail, Jay Crowder's coming back from, from, from COVID protocols. Campaign has his solid role off the bench as the backup point guard. There's too many players right now. The Suns have a, a, the, the, wor- the best problem in the NBA. They're one of the deepest teams, if not the deepest team outside of the Warriors, because I see River already making that face. That Wait, being said, let me ask you a quick question. Sorry. All right. who, who, who's okay. deeper? The Bulls or the Suns? I'm going to go the Suns. Okay, that's fair. I just I'm going to go like, the Suns. Because okay, your bench unit right now, who's it? Is Kobe? It, Caruso's Caruso not playing. I was going to say, Caruso doesn't start for y'all. So he would Kobe, Io, he's been balling. Io, Io, yeah, he's good. been mad. DJJ. We got some guys on the bench, man. See, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's I, like I said. I just named basically all bench guys: Cam, uh, Campaign, Cam Johnson, Javale McGee. Now you add Jalen Smith to this mix, it gets a little bit more lenient yeah. towards the Suns now. But they, the they, grand, they yeah, have no, a lot it's of a depth. Good, it's a, There's no that, doubt. So now to the grand scheme of things, the Suns being a 30 win team. They've been playing some of the best basketball, if not the best basketball in the NBA. But we see when they match up against the Warriors, the Warriors do give them fits. And where the Warriors should not be out rebounding the Suns playing this small ball lineup, the the Warriors have happened to out rebound them in every single game they've played, which is very surprising. That being said, credit to the Suns, credit to what Chris Paul is doing, credit to Devin Booker being the offensive present that he is, and credit to Monty Williams, who is a top three lock for coach of the year. He's been phenomenal. All the adjustments he's made from last year into this year, keeping the Suns the consistent team that they've been. All the credit to the Suns, all the credit to what they're doing. I mean, you guys know that throughout the past couple of weeks, whenever we talk about the Suns, I always mention, I think DeAndre Ian is replaceable. And this just further further proves my point about that. Like Jalen Smith comes in and is averaging 16 and 10. I do think Aiton is irreplaceable in one aspect, and that's defensively. His right. switchability on the perimeter is what makes the Suns so great defensively. 
and what makes them be able to match up with Golden State well because Aiden is mobile and he can match up with guards and keep up on the perimeter. But Jalen Smith, offensively, I think he brings something to Phoenix that they don't have, not with Aiden, not with JaVale McGee. He can hit the outside shot. And what this guy's been doing has been incredible, basically relegated to the bench last season and this season until he got his shot. And as soon as he gets his shot, he's averaging 16 and 10. He's a free agent next year, unrestricted because the Suns, Robert Sarver, refused to pick up his option. And that's just that's just a miscue by them because maybe they are going to look to trade him because the way he's playing now, I guarantee you teams like OKC, like Houston, are looking at him like, mm, maybe he can be a good piece for our Troy. young core. Toronto, who they need a center, can be looking at Jalen Smith like, man, this guy's 6'10", he can shoot, he can space the floor, we can really get this guy. I think Jalen Smith has proved himself with the Suns, and you look at his advanced numbers, he has a plus 9.8 point differential. Defensively, he is negative in minus 1.4 points per possession, and... DeAndre Ayton, you look at his numbers, he has a minus 3.5 point differential, DeAndre Ayton. But on defense, he has a plus 5.1 differential. So offensively, Jalen Smith does give the Suns more than McGee, than Ayton. But defensively, that's where DeAndre Ayton really is makes it, his money. Is it and because that's his bread he is can shoot the, it's because he can shoot the three ball a little bit better than both? I think so. And I really think that DeAndre Ayton's problem, what's holding him back the most is his lack of aggressiveness at times. I think that DeAndre Ayton isn't always all the way there. And as a role man, he's not quite as aggressive as he he should always be. He, he, let me ask you a question. Because even like, okay, so let me, I'm use because I'm sure we all watched the Warriors games, right? Like all the times the Suns and Warriors played. Even when he was being aggressive against them in those games, I still felt like it wasn't like, like it wasn't really imposing. You know what I'm saying? Like it didn't feel like he, like, the Suns were dominating the game with him. Being, I just don't think he's that type of player. You know what I'm saying? Like where he's you the number just, one overall pick. I mean, he should that be is, that player. He, yeah, no, sometimes it just doesn't pan out like that. You know, I think he's like a complimentary. Like I think, cause I think when he dominates a game, it doesn't feel like he dominated. It may look like it in the numbers, but it just doesn't feel like they're dominating at all. I don't know. I, I feel like, the, I feel like he's dominated. Playoffs, I, I felt that. I yeah. He was dominating. In the playoffs, I felt like he imposed his presence and he yeah, yeah, really dominated. But talking about the Suns, I mean, you, you guys know how I feel. You know, even though they do have 30 wins, I still think it's Golden State and everybody else. Phoenix is going to have to prove themselves to me. I, they're a great team and they're the, they're the second best team in the West behind Golden State. But I, I am still cautious about picking them in a series I, against them. You picked them to go to WCF, though. They're second. They're first and second. The Warriors and the Suns won't see each other until the WCF. Do you think that's that's that's, the, that's going to be the matchup? Yep. In the WCF, let my league show yep. get hot. Don't JC, let what about it you? Happen. Ain't JC, nobody worried about you. Who you think month? is the? You got the Suns going to WCF? Um. Yeah. They they would they would be my say. I'm off the Lakers. Um. <laughs> hopefully not. But hopefully not. But hopefully the Lakers could change my mind though. Hopefully the Lakers could change my mind. But it's just you know. The model consistency that the Suns have shown since last year, this year in the playoffs. I mean, I was one of the people. I was, I was, I was in the in the in the train of thinking that their run was kind of fluky, you know. And you can't really blame me. They played a banged up Lakers team without LeBron, with LeBron James with a bad ankle. Anthony Davis missing some games. 
They played Denver without Jamal Murray, albeit he was out uh, way before that series even started, but that was their second best player. And then obviously the Kawhi Leonard injury. So I was one that was kind of like, I was like, okay, like I want to see what this team does this year. First to 30 wins, like Joel said, I mean, I noticed, I, I took, I took notice of this team early on in the season when um, I think I was, I was one of the people that, that brought up the topic that we should discuss the Suns on their eight game winning streak and how, how well they've played. And that actually ballooned into, I think a 17, 18 game win streak that was, you know, snapped by the Warriors, but in that win streak, they also beat the Warriors. But uh, you know, this team is really good. Uh, the emergence of Jalen Smith. I mean, I have the stats right here in his last, I want to say six, seven games. He's given you a double, double 16 points, 10 rebounds a game, 55% from the, from the field. And he's shooting 39% from the three on two attempts. So he can show that he can stretch the floor. Um, But you know, like I said, like I apologize to to you guys earlier with your Warriors take. Uh, I'm still I'm still picking the Warriors to get out the West. I mean, like like you know, yeah, join join the team. Getting, they're getting Clay Thompson back tomorrow. I don't know when James Wiseman's coming back, but when they're fully intact, I mean, you know, from top to bottom, this team is just defensively insane. And then you got two of the best shooters of all time on this team. It's going to be really hard to overcome that. Um, I do think I think the Suns can give them a competitive series. I think the series could go six, maybe even seven games. But just in the grand scheme of things, I just don't think the Suns have enough to just compete with the with this Warriors team that was on route to a dynasty before their injuries. They were gonna three-peat. They won a ring before Kevin Durant, albeit with the Cavaliers injuries. But you know, this is a team that won 73 games. You're putting all these guys back together. And, you know, adding more young players like Andrew Wiggins and then you're getting playing everybody back. I just don't see anybody that could beat this team. But in the Western Conference Finals, I do pick the Suns and the Warriors. And I do think the Suns can give them a tough fight. But in the end, I feel like they'll ultimately come up short. I like how you use the word balloon. I like how I like how you use that word. That that was really uh, smart of you. When you said eight <laughs> games and ballooned and this, I like that. That was dope. It was yeah, crazy. Was dope. I mean, no, it really, it really no. depends because back in 2018, Nobody really thought that the Rockets were going to take the Warriors with KD to seven. And the, the Suns are, are the construction of their roster is eerily similar to that of the 17, 18 Rockets. And I think they have better wing players. I think Mikel is better than Ariza at that point. I think A and Capella are around the same. It's just it was the, the real significant difference is, is Harden and Booker. Like Harden is here. Booker is like here. Like Harden was on a different level that year. But even then, like Booker has shown that he can perform at a superstar level. And he's also shown that he doesn't quite have the blunders that Harden has in the playoffs. Like at least from what we saw last year, Booker's was fairly consistent the entire playoffs and didn't have any moments that we looked at him and said, wow, he just looks like a complete shell of himself. And Steph Curry did, did not play good against the Rockets. Like Riv, you uh, were gonna, you were trying to call me out, bro. What, what were you gonna say, bro? No, I was just letting you know Clay's back tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I saw. Yeah, versus yeah, the I'm Cavaliers, not. I believe. Yeah, it's lit. I think Cavaliers it's are gonna too. win. I, gonna I think it's in that. Golden State. Yeah. No, it is in Golden State. There is all time game. So I'm serious. You know Steve Kerr. You know Steve Kerr said that they're not going to bring Clay off the bench. Oh, yeah, yeah. He said, yeah, that's not how. Yeah, he said they're not. He said they're not even. He said they're not even going to think about it. Uh, They're not even going to, like, even make it a thing. Like, it's not even a thought. GP gets a full deal. Yeah. Yeah. And he name dropped uh, Pick a Side. He was like, yeah, we're not going to, you know, pick a side. We're not going to let them get the benefit of the doubt and and bench him to start the season off. 
Yo, Joel, you think there was a strong possibility he actually saw that video? I think there probably was. <laughs> if Draymond saw it, then maybe it's a strong possibility. Draymond probably, Dray probably showed Steph and Clay. It was like, look what these clowns said. Like, that's exactly <laughs> what he did. The team group chat is like, what y'all think about this? I think yeah, like, knowing Dre, he definitely did that. That would be so funny if he did. And then Kerr's like, yeah, we're not even going to do it anymore. Like, not even. <laughs> That would be so awesome. I wish they they didn't actually name drop us, but I wish they would have name dropped us. Yeah, but our our name gets name dropped su- subtly because it's pick a side, and that's a very common term. Yeah, like coaches would be like, "Oh, you can't pick a side," and you know they'll say that and they'll coin <laughs> yeah, we that have a, term. We have a we have a genius name. That's what it is. That's we we it really do, Even right? If they just name drop us in a bad way, like these guys on pick a side are idiots. It's still a name drop. Like drop the name. Like need it. We're not cloud chasers, however. Uh, no, yeah, we are not cloud is. chasers. We'll, t- we'll, t- we'll take the credit where it can, where it comes. Yo, Drew, you're a cloud chaser with LeBron. Me? Come yeah. on, what are you talking about? Yeah, you're. A I'm one of the most LeBron. genuine people there is. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, one. would get you get LeBron here. tattooed on you? Nah, I, I actually would never get a tattoo. Believe it or not. Yo, you have zero tattoos. Nothing. No, no piercings. No what's, tattoos. What's no stop? What's stopping Natural you from? Beauty. What what's stopping you from getting a tattoo? Do you have like any strong beliefs about it, or it's just not for you? No, it's just not for me. And two, I'm not putting myself through unnecessary pain. Say what you want about me, I'm soft so, for that. No thanks. So you. what what are your care. what are your thoughts on people that get tattoos? Yeah, what are your thoughts for 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 like tattoos that are either it means something to them or they just get it for the for their f of it? That's fine because my brother is constantly in and out of the tattoo parlor he loves getting tattoos and i see like the meaning behind it he has like a wave on his chest he has the moon on his chest and he's very like one with nature so as long as it means something to you and and on top of it it looks cool hey it's your body your choice you do whatever you want and what's your what's your what's your problem with piercings (laughs) again it's i what's the need for for me personally like my girlfriend says that I would look good with earrings, but that being said, like, do I need them? I feel like I look fine as is. I'm very confident. That would up your rating, though. Like, yeah, rating, right. <laughs> Take myself from a ten to eleven, I guess. Nah, earrings really will up. Like, it just ups the rating. Like, I guess just, so. And also, I don't want to. I don't want any type of jewelry that's not the real deal. So once I mm. make that real money, I'll go and I'll take myself to the jeweler and I'll buy myself some nice. diamond test. Well, we'll get sponsored right. by by gold GLD. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we'll get sponsored by them, and then they'll send you some stuff. K Jewelers too. Hey, I'm with that too. Riv has tattoo. He has a tattoo, right? You have a tattoo. Yeah. It's <laughs> on. It's on your right yeah, arm. Bro, show, show. I mean, well, you're, you're, first, I mean you're saying you're saying damn like it, it, the camera doesn't catch it all the time. You literally sit yes. on that side. Ooh, that is that. tough. Yes. It's, it's so meaningful, light. Drew. What is the t- what is it? Let me what hear is the it? meaning, bro. Um it's it's basically like uh like got a, a bird in God's hand. It's mm-hmm. uh cuz my cousin he died of cancer so I got it for him and stuff. Mm. That's real. I got, uh, I got his birthday awesome. at the bottom of it. Yeah. So and yeah, what about real. you, JC? That's you're real. not you're not thinking about getting a tattoo? Yo, believe it or not, I was talking about this the other day. I kind of do want a tattoo, but you know, I'm not gonna get it like the same exact one as this NBA player, obviously, because that's just weird. But like in the location, like I just really like where Luca has his tattoo, like right here. Like I think, like I personally think that that's just I think that's fire to have like a little forearm tattoo, but. I'd probably just get one right there and then just leave it as is. I'm not going to be a person that's going to be, you know, constantly tattooing my body. But 
One right here on my right forearm would be is going to be something that I will do in the future. I'm oh, holding next off. Summer, this whole arm is is getting straight tatted down. Like this whole left arm. Damn, J.R. Smith. Face tats? No. Face tats is crazy. I'm face good. Tats are so crazy. I'm holding back on getting a tattoo because I actually I actually do want one, but I, there's two reasons holding me back. One, the 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 shape I'm in. I heard that if you're if you're fat and you get a tattoo, the when you get skinny, the stretch marks of it, it just looks weird. Yeah. Yeah. So that, Yo, that Joel, that's one of the I reasons. actually I actually meant to come to you, bro. If you're trying to work out, let's get right. We're gonna have a whole glow, a pick a side edition. Bro, I'm with, I'm it. with it if you're with it, bro. I'm right. with it, bro. I'm I trying to like, bro, out. you don't understand how like <laughs> we like you three are fine, right? We can go. We can go create videos of us hooping, and you three will be fine. But I know I'm gonna get clowned because I am not. <laughs> I'm not good right now. So I need to get in shape so we can do a pick aside hoop edition where we go and ball out and we we cook people. And then whenever somebody comments on YouTube or TikTok that we don't play basketball, we just oh, show them the that? video. We show we show we show them my best Akil Carr impression. Drew's the sharpshooter. Riv is playing like George Hill, and JC's playing like CJ McCollum. But another another reason why I'm I'm holding me back from getting a tattoo is that my my dad actually told me that because he he provides me with money each month for going to school. He provides me with like money for food and stuff. And he told me that if I get a tattoo, it means that I'm an adult and I be, I'm able to provide for myself. So he's not going to give me anything. Okay. So, so I, I, yeah, smart. yeah, I, I would get I'll, a tattoo. Either. Yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to hold off on this. Back. Yeah, I, I didn't even tell my dad about my tattoo like six, seven months later. Yeah, I had to. I had to How do you not see it? You were wearing long sleeves the whole time. You were, you went to go see him. I don't see my pops, bro. Ah, like uh, yeah, I don't see him, so it's not. It's like a way to make me feel like shit. No, nah, no, nah, we be on the phone, like we text and call. Like I don't, I don't see oh, him. Okay, so oh, okay. okay. But wait, this a... tat, this tat hurt, bro. This shit was, I was in pain for a minute, bro. I How did it you, feel man, while that, you got it? Big piece. While I got, bro, I was literally like sweating so much, and I kept needing like water, and mm-hmm. I was kept like my arm was numb. I was like about to faint because I'm skinny, so it's like he's really hitting bone. Like he's not hitting like it's straight <laughs> bone most of the time, so I was just like, nah, this is killing me. And so I was actually was just, worse. I was just told about like numbing cream. Like you go in, like they don't provide it for you, but you come in, you bring your own numbing cream, you put it on the spot where you're getting tattooed. Apparently, that's the soft thing to do. But I would do that. Trying? I wish I would know. Yeah, exactly. I have, a, I have a scar from when I got hit by a car, like up here. Got hit so by a he, car? When? Yeah, I, when uh, when we graduated. I do remember that. I do remember that. I remember that. I remember that. How that happened? Um, I was going to drop some papers off to my brother, and we lived on Central at the time. He was at Nelly K, I think that was the park. <laughs> Bro, I hit my so, car. Yeah, so he's at he's at Nelly K. So I took my bike out. I took my bike out, and I you know the hill, you know the hill coming down to Nelly K. So <laughs> I, had, I had no brakes on my bike, so I'm coming down the hill. I'm cruising down the hill. And I see a, I make a right and I see a car. So I try to spin back. She hit my uh, front tire and I just went flying. Oh my God. <laughs> Skirted on the floor. My whole right arm was like peeled off and it was bleeding everywhere. And I was on the floor, like acting like I was dead. And my 
brother and his friends came over. <laughs> and they was like, yo, I think that was your brother. And they came over and they was like, Riv. So I tried to act like I was dead. I was like, I don't know, y'all. I can't, I can't get up. That, that it's one of those hurt. stories that you should not be laughing, but the way that you're telling it, I just have no choice but to Yo, laugh. No, no that's no, that's hospital. no, that is 100 your fault. You literally just said <laughs> yeah, you went, you, you went, you went down a hill with the bike with no brakes on. I know when we were growing, oh, yeah. when we were growing up in Hackensack, at least I know so many people that did that, and I never, wow. I never, ever partook in that because i just thought it was just the dumbest thing ever i'm not going I down never, oh. i'm not going down a hill on a bike with no brakes even yeah, with brakes i'm not lady, doing though. that like whoever hit me i never like when people when people's like call the cops i was like for what like it's my it's literally my fault like i never blame her i don't get like it's dead i literally went down with a bmx bike with no brakes like it was no brakes on the thing like i'm going down a, like, and, I know, and i know and i know what hill you're talking about in the yeah, street and the street you're talking about is a very busy street yep there's, you know, and it was like potholes everywhere. I was living, I was just bugging. I don't know what happened. I was just going to drop some papers off, and that's how I got hit. You know, bro thought he was playing a video game. <laughs> oh, was that on Polyfly? Yeah, bro. Yeah, that's bro, the wild. That's what I'm talking you're about, bro. Wilding. Yeah, like, yeah. bro, the I would never go down that up. that street. The floor was just covered <laughs> in blood, God. bro. Like it was Jesus crazy. Well, I'm glad you're alive. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah, but Jesus, you know, some, sometimes sometimes in life we make some very uh, irrational decisions. And that's what happened with Christian Wood and Kevin Porter Jr. This past <laughs> week with the Rockets, uh, Christian Wood refused to check into a game. Uh, the Rockets were punishing him because he was late for COVID testing. And Kevin Porter Jr. at halftime threw an object and left the stadium in his car. Now, they both made up for it because. Kevin Porter Jr. hit a game winner versus Washington, and Christian Wood had 22 and 11 in that game and shot six for six from the free throw line. But this this event did cause some discussion on Twitter and in the basketball community about whether or not what the Rockets should do with Christian Wood. And if Kevin Porter Jr. is stable enough to be a cornerstone player for the Rockets and I've heard some people say, like Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated, that they should they should even waive Kevin Porter Jr. or even trade him. And Christian Wood, I think a lot of Rockets fans kind of are on the edge of the fence with him in terms of if they want him or not. So I want to ask you, what do you think about this situation? Drew, I'll start with you, since uh, this was going to be also what you talked about on the This Week in the NBA segment. So this is pretty interesting to me because on top of Kevin Porter's, you know, his antics, unfortunately, then you have the next time that we see him hitting a game winner, a big time shot. And you have a sportcast, uh, sports broadcaster uh, saying something so egregious, so outlandish, very unprofessional of him, uh, where we should be celebrating Kevin Porter Jr. for hitting a great, uh, a great big time shot. We're not talking about the shot. We're talking about the call from the broadcaster where he mentions Kevin Porter senior. And uh, uh, he completely mixed up what he was doing. He thought that Kevin Porter senior was uh, his father who played basketball. Uh, meanwhile, there was something that was going on where Kevin Porter senior was uh, someone who was on trial for manslaughter, who had all that had had to do something with some kind of gun violence. And he said that he pulled the trigger like his father. And, and that was just something very just egregious and unnecessary that the, the sports sports broadcaster did not have to say at all. 
And there's just times and place where there's no place or time for anything like that. Not, not even at all. And especially in a moment where you have Kevin Porter Jr. who has been going through a lot of adversity throughout his career, finally steps up to the plate, hits this big time shot. We're not talking about the shot. We're talking about someone who really should be irrelevant in this scenario. And it's unfortunate that I had to come to that. And I wanted to speak on that before I talk about the negative with Kevin Porter Jr. Because as you guys know, if you guys have listened to me for a while, I'm a big fan of Kevin Porter Jr. and his skill set and what he can do. His field goal percentage hasn't been great. His three-point percentage hasn't been great, but I like his playmaking abilities. I like the way that he can score multiple facets. I like how his game is pretty two-dimensional where he can be a point guard. He can also be a shooting guard, uh, shooting guard. But mostly, I think we're starting to see with the Rockets that he is a shooting guard. It's very tough for him to play that that point guard position. That being said... It's unfortunate that he put himself in this situation. You understand that he left the Cavaliers to come to the Rockets. This was his second chance. You borderline have to be perfect if you're Kevin Porter Jr. And last season, he showed that he has nothing but talent to offer to the Houston Rockets. This season, it hasn't really come to what we were expecting. And and similar to Christian Wood, Christian Wood, another player who last year was great for the Rockets, was an all-star considerations when he was playing. Got, gets hurt, kind of loses a little bit of momentum. That being said, comes into the season, we have high hopes for him and the, the young Houston core that surrounds him. And I don't think that the Rockets would be better off without these two guys. I think Christian Wood right now, who's their leading scorer, it would be hard to lose him and, and, and continue to have some kind of success or whatever kind of success that the Rockets are having right now. That being said, you also have to understand that the Rockets are a young core and they're uh, up-and-coming team, so they don't necessarily need the piece like Christian Wood. That that being said, I look at a, a KPJ and and how young he is, and I would like to see KPJ be the one of the main pieces to the young core of the Houston Rockets. It's just a matter of both of them getting out of their own egos, of not p- putting their egos to the side, saying that you know basketball is a team sport. I need to come together, be a leader for this organization that not only needs people to step up to the plate to take that mantle of the loss of James Harden. And that's where KPJ really was tr- going to step in and get that opportunity. KPJ just unfortunately is not the same ball player that Harden is. It's that simple. Regardless of where KPJ was drafted, he just does not have the same talent that James Harden has shown in, in, in his time in Houston. So what do I think that they should move on from them? I don't think so. I think that these two guys need to mature without a doubt. I think that you lose these two guys, it would be pretty detrimental to the Rockets as of their roster that as it currently is constructed. But for the long term, I think you need KPJ. I think you need Christian Wood because these guys are young enough that you could build pieces around them and maybe start to see a change in this organization. But again, on to the to the sports broadcaster. We need to stop with that because how many times have we seen in the past where I remember one specifically where Russell Westbrook was playing. Uh, I think he had a couple of stretch, a uh, couple of stretch plays where he was just out of his mind playing great basketball and the sports broadcaster. I'm not going to repeat it because it's so disgusting comes out and says something so egregious where you're taking the, the joy and the, what should be, a moment of respecting and, and admiration to what these players are doing. And you're belittling them for, for who you, who that person believes that they are, which is disgusting. And we need to start to evolve and, and trend in a direction where we're treating these basketball players as human beings and not for, for how uh, one individual may see them for years and years of 
uneducated individuals. And it, it, we need to start to trend in a direction where we see everyone as equal and start treating with equity. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the comment was definitely racist. But do you believe do you think that the commentator thought that his father was actually Kevin Porter? Because he, he said that, oh, I didn't know. I thought he was the son of Kevin Porter, the basketball you always, player. You can always come out and, and try and correct your statement. It, it was a wrong statement more, nonetheless, but you should never do you like, believe do you believe that he actually meant. thought that? Do you believe that? I don't. I don't. I mean, even if that's what he believed, why there's a, again, there's time and place for if that's what he meant, there's a time and place. But you cannot even with the the quite like even if you have to question it in your mind a little bit, don't say it. You know, <laughs> I'm also a KPJ fan. I like KPJ. Joel knows that I'm really like KBJ's dope. I'm also a Josh Christopher fan. Love Josh Christopher. Love his game. Love his play style. You know, that's my dog for real. Um, I don't think they need to move on KBJ. I think KBJ is 22 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Very He's young. Extremely young. I think in Cleveland, he showed flashes, but it just wasn't the right fit. Obviously, he's young. He has to figure it out mentally. But I think, you know, they should stick with him a little bit. Christian Wood? It's a different scenario. He's dropped in points, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, free throw percentage. And, you know, Drew, you love 100 possessions. Like, you love – that's your favorite stat. That's your favorite stat of everything. PER for sure. Yeah, let me just – you know, let me just – his plus-minus per 100 possessions last year was a minus four, right? His plus-minus net per 100 possessions last year was a plus 6.5. This year – it's a minus 10.4 in plus minus per 100 possessions. In net, minus 3.4. He's dropped, and we can go to advance. He's dropped in all, like he's dropped in every statistic this year. And with Houston, you have to look at it. They have a lot of draft picks. Like, like if you look at their draft, they have a lot of draft picks, and they're probably not going to be good for this year, next year, maybe the year after that. There's a lot of talent coming in. I don't, and with their rookies, I think they have one of the best rookie classes this year. I think they their rookie classes showed out this year. Who From showed Sangoon out? To Josh Christopher, to Jalen Green, they've all showed out. Garuba has shown some flashes, but he still has ways to go in a sense. But you know, Jason Tate, he's good, but he's 26. They'll probably move on for him. But Kenyon Martin, when he gets to his opportunity, he's really good. I think Christian Wood is a tradable piece at this point just to bring in more draft picks. You know, I think at 26 years old, I think Christian Wood is the type of player who can really only benefit from a great point guard. And I don't think KBJ is at that point in his career. I think what he showed us last year, granted, 21 points a game, it was in 41 games. It wasn't enough for us to really say this can stick. You know what I'm saying? Granted, Houston took a gamble and it was a good gamble because his contract isn't Nothing crazy. You know, he's not getting paid 20 mil, 18. He's probably getting paid like 15, 16 mil, I believe. Maybe a little bit less than that. So he's a tradable piece. You know, he's somebody who can fit. Charlotte is looking for a center. I think he'll be great in Charlotte. You know, places are looking for centers. And he his skill set fits certain places. I think Houston's in a position where they're like, bro, we, we're going to have draft picks. And there's going to be guys that fit us better at that center position. I think Christian Wood is definitely a tradable asset. And at this point, I think he wants to be traded. I don't think he wants to be there. He's not playing like he wants to be there. So I think, honestly, they should think about trading Christian Wood, keeping KPJ, you know, giving KPJ the opportunity to really blossom. You know, I feel like John Wall, if he played, he would have helped KPJ. And a lot of the situations he could have mentored him, definitely helped him. But him not 
you know, that, that mentor point guard, and you know it because Rubio did it for Garland, that mentorship as a point guard really helps. You know what I'm saying? So I think John Wall would have definitely helped KPJ. You know, John Wall has had his troubles in the past, so they could have definitely communicated and bonded in that perspective. But I think KPJ is still really young. You know, he's a guy with a lot of talent. But Christian Wood is a guy you can get a lot of things back. Not a lot, but you can get something back, at least a first-rounder. So I think you should trade him. So I just found this out now, but what makes – the whole comments by the commentator even worse is that Kevin Porter Jr.'s actual father, who is Kevin Porter Sr., he was charged with first-degree murder after shooting a 14-year-old girl. And he spent four years in prison over it. And his father actually he passed away in 2004 after he was shot five times. You know, so what makes the comments even more disparaging and, I, you know, just insensitive is the fact that your exact analogy is, is a real life thing that happened to KPJ. So I think that's what makes it extremely insensitive. And on top of that, just the comment itself, even if the situation didn't touch home directly to KPJ, it's a racially insensitive comment. And I, I frankly think that even, you know, I frankly think that he probably should be out of a job. You know, I don't like to call yeah, people out, out on jobs, but like that is a fireable offense. It, it is. And that's something that's insensitive. And even if he did think that KPJ's father was a former NBA player, I mean, the fact that you're a commentator and you don't know for a fact if that if who his father was is just irresponsible on your part for not preparing for it and not knowing. I mean, that's your job to know those type of things. They even like... I've I've done broadcasting at the college level and even in college they give you bios on players and yep. all that stuff. So the fact that he really didn't even care to research for himself a cop out. is yeah, it's really it's really uh alarming. But JC, what do you think about the Rockets? Do you think that Christian Wood should be a piece or looking to trade or is he a part of this young core for the future? Um I'm I kind of agree with what River said. I feel like he's a I feel like he's somebody that you can trade and it really wouldn't hurt the team. Um, obviously, he has some talent, so there's probably something that you can get in return from him. And, you know, just like River said, the Rockets have a lot of picks. And right now, they're they're really not in win-now mode. I know they had that little eight-game win streak, but it's like they're still bottom of the – they're still bottom of the barrel, bottom of the standings. Um, and, you know, to, to, to your point as well, Joel and Riz's point, I mean, they had a really good draft. I mean, Jalen Green, Josh Christopher – Sangoon, who Joel's really been high on. I've been keeping my eye on him since he's uh brought him to life for me. So yeah, they they have they have the the requisite pieces to move on from Christian Wood. I honestly never thought, like in my honest opinion, I never thought Christian Wood was like that good in my opinion. Like I never saw him as a franchise, a cornerstone player like the Rockets did. I mean, Detroit gave up on him, and now the Rockets gave up on him. I feel like you know he's just somebody that you can move on from. Uh, as far as KPJ, I mean. He's had his uh the talent is there obviously, but you know he's had his his troubles uh in Cleveland. I, I believe he he got into an argument with somebody, something that was uh, about a locker. Like he didn't want to move from a locker, so you know that was obviously they decided to cut him because of that situation. And then this problem in Houston throwing something at uh at an assistant coach. I mean it doesn't look good, but uh the product on the court from him. You know last year he had to get a fifty point game against Milwaukee, which was one of the sickest 50 point games I've seen in a while because that predominantly was all mostly on Drew Holiday and he's one of the top defenders in the league. People, Rockets fans were calling him out about him not being a pure point guard. 
and we did a segment, and in, in, in a span of seven, eight games, he averaged about nine close to 10 assists a game. So this is a kid that accepts the challenge. This is a kid that, you know, he can – he has – certain types of abilities in this game that he can tap into. But as far as uh, Christian Wood, just being on the fact that Sengun and all these guys that were drafted younger, it, it, it just, it, it, as a Rockets fan, I wouldn't be upset to move on from Christian Wood. You have the draft picks. And, you know, uh, to Riv's point, I mean, there's a couple of games that I've been watching because my brother is a Rockets fan, so we watch the games together. He doesn't really seem like like he like he wants it. Like he, he doesn't seem like like he's like, in that state of like in that mindset to play with a team like that. And I'm, I'm, I'm of the mindset. If you have a player that if you have any doubts that the player wants to be on your roster, you got to get rid of him. Christian Wood. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's not a talented player. Cause he's a talented player. He's a good player. He's a, he's a modern day, I guess, stretch four, stretch five can shoot, you know, can rebound, can score inside. He has a nice game, but uh, it's definitely expendable just because of how successful Houston's draft uh, class was this year. So I'm on board with keeping KBJ. He has to obviously keep in, he has to keep intact mentally with all the, you know, the, the outside issues, but as a baller, I'm keeping him and then Christian Wood. I mean, if I'm, if I'm the Rockets, I wouldn't bat an eye getting rid of him, to be honest. I think Shengun is going to be their starting center for the future. And be. because be. of his emergence this year, and he's, he's coming to the NBA more ready than everybody expected, but I was expecting it because he was a Turkish league MVP I know Riv had some really strong doubts about Shingun and his translation, but he's proven Riv wrong, and Shingun has proven he is Nikola Jokic 2.0. I think Shingun is going to be the franchise center. He's a, an amazing passer. He has great post moves for his age. He is still very young, and Christian Wood is very expendable because of that. When talking about Kevin Porter Jr., I won't lie. I think this season has made me kind of less in on him uh he's been very inefficient i mean he's shooting 36 percent from the field 33 percent from three he's averaging 12 points that's just inexcusable i was planning on him making a most improved player jump this year and you mentioned the stats about net rating and stuff like that i do think those stats can be a little flawed only because the rockets are a bad team because they're a bad team, the net rating is going to be bad automatically. I don't know what his on and off numbers are, but I think that would probably be like a better stat to use in that situation. But I'm not totally in on Kevin Porter Jr. I've actually been really impressed with Jalen Green these past couple of games. I mean, the last 10 games, he's averaging 18 points, shooting 46% from the field and 40% from three. Jalen Green has really picked up his game. And earlier in the season, I did say that I think he's going to have a similar rookie season to Anthony Edwards, but he's been picking it up sooner than Anthony Edwards did. And Jalen Green can make a rookie of the year case for himself with his recent play. And if he does this moving forward, I think the cornerstone piece is Jalen Green. And I think everybody else are just pieces around him. KPJ maybe can turn into that. I think we're starting to realize that becoming James Harden is, is much harder than it looks. I know that everybody had this expectation on KPJ to do that, but to actually be that is a different story. And Houston Rockets fans were, were blessed with Harden for eight seasons, and it's really hard to find a replacement for that, and they're in that stage right now. Two questions for you, Joel. Two, this is specifically for you, buddy. Can Sengun play the power forward position? That's question number one. He can play power forward, center, point guard. It doesn't matter. Okay, so now that goes into my next question. 
The Rockets have the number one pick. Projected. Yeah. No, I'm asking you. Like they hypothetically, they get the number one pick. Who do you go? Shet or Paola? I go Basically, on, because you think Sengun is gonna be the starting five. He's, I'll he's be honest. Out. I act you know, as much as I love Boncaro's game, I wouldn't take Shet over Boncaro. Uh, if I'm any team, to be honest, well, it depends. Maybe in some situations, but I think Paolo's a better player. Um, Boncaro's the best fit. Actually, Boncaro's the best available player at that spot. You would go with Jabari. I would go with Jabari. I think so Jabari Smith is yeah. is the better fit for them. They do. They need a wing, and I think he'd he'd fit right in. I think he's a better pick for them. Okay. Okay. Cool. Just wanted to get your idea on that part. Well, yeah, the Rockets are 11 and 28 right now. They have the third worst record in the NBA, which means that they would be projected to get the third overall pick. And I would take Jabari Smith third. And if you look at the history of the third overall pick, that pick usually turns into the best player in the draft, at least in in most cases. MJ was the third overall pick, and you see how good he is. Outside of R.J. Barrett, third overall picks have kind of been hits. So I was going to say Tatum was number three. Mello was number three. Yep, Melo is the head. worst out out the four. Yeah, but he oh was still God, a bro. great pick. Oh yeah, he's a great pick. He's, I'm saying like out of D Wade and LeBron, you know. So before we oh, go yeah. on to the I next, you're talking like Tatum and all them. Oh, no, 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 no. So before we go on to the next seg- segment, a quick word from DraftKings hockey fans. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no brainer offer that will make you a winner once any shot get gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just one dollar on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Once again, that's promo code TB, TBPN, the Basketball Podcast Network, TBPN. Thank you guys so much for your recent support. Actually, this past week, we ranked 27th in top sports podcast on Spotify. Talk about it. It is Talk a huge accolade for us. Talk about it. Also, I want to give a shout out to the merch uh, really quick. Pickasidepodcast.com. It'll be the first spot that you see now. We changed it up so that it immediately goes to, to the merchandise. We want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has purchased everything. We appreciate you guys sending in your pictures of you and your merch. Uh, Jay Aqua specifically, bro, just takes a picture of his shirt. I'm like, come on, bro. Like, wh- what are we just going to post? You just sending us a picture of the shirt that you got. We want to see you guys in the shirts. Yes. Take a picture sent into us. We'll put it on our Instagram. Uh, we really want to show you guys the, the appreciation and the love that you have showed for us. We want to reciprocate that right back to you guys. And you guys just take a look at it. See if you guys like anything. Again, shout out to Joey Barreto. He's been taking care of that for us. And everything looks good. And you guys are giving us some great feedback. You guys are saying that the shirts are very comfortable. You're happy with the amount of time that it's getting to you. So uh, we really appreciate all feedback. And if you guys could just take a look again, pickasidepodcast.com. Wearing a pickaside shirt automatically makes you 20% more handsome or beautiful. So shout out. Yeah, wear the shirt. You know, it's, we are trying to. 
people want. I'm sorry, Joel. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, team, that's fine. People you know, want I'm us to have to like a, a, team, a team Drew, Team Red, Team Joel, Team JC. They're trying to put us against each other. I don't know if I'm with that because sales are going to be so skewed. Who would win? I don't what? want anyone again. Who's who just asked that question? I asked the question. Oh, what was the question? Who would win? I think Me? I'd win. Oh, <laughs> I think I'd win. I say shout out Riff Fam because I felt left out. Everybody was shouting things out. So shout out Riff Fam. Now, Drew would probably win. They said he's the most uh, likable guy. So Drew would probably win. That was the chat. I don't know how many people actually said that. That's just like a small percentage. It was the live stream of people that actually ride for us. So, hey. Yeah, I, I don't know, but yeah, shout out to anybody who's in the rift. We should just we should just make shirts of like coin phrases that we do. I would have, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about that, like my face and like a cloud uh, bubble with like obviously or egregious something. I don't like have that, a phrase. That- I just have a bunch of faces I make. Yeah, you do. You do. <laughs> I don't. I don't necessarily have a phrase. Or maybe your 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 shirt can just be a do rag. Yours could just say pause. Yeah, I can't say that no more, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could definitely no. say pause. You just can't say pause is valid. The other yeah. One. Anything yeah. else? Oh, I can't say the pause. other one. Okay. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Correct. I think Correct. Riv's shirt can just be like a plain shirt with just like a do rag, and you can have like a different color do rag. That would be tough. That would be tough. Yeah, it would. It would. It would be simple, basic, and my. I don't know what mine would be. Mm. I'm trying to think. Uh-huh. Your phrase. I don't know if I have a phrase, but like for like Stephen A. Smith, that would be like blasphemous. That would be like his phrase. Oh, he'd be like, you just got caught. You just got caught. <laughs> we should get into the best. We should we should just we should just get into NFTs and make like clip the best pick aside moments and make that an NFT. You guys see that they're NFTing tweets now? I don't yeah. even know what NFT is. bro. It's a non fungible token. A, yeah. Okay, then. That was pretty simple. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, NFTs is basically it's digital art. That's what it is. Oh, okay, 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 okay. It's digital art and basically it's actually pretty cool because in the future this is what they're actually going to do and I think they're going to do is that you know how you have a frame for a picture? Mm-hmm. You can have a frame which is basically going to be an LED uh an LED uh screen and it's going to have your NFT on it. And an NFT it can be a basketball highlight. It can just be a picture. It can be a lot of different things. But for example, they have NFTs for basketball. You can collect basketball moments uh, and like a LeBron dunk or whatever. And you can actually have like a frame in your house of that LeBron moment playing on repeat. Okay. So instead of like a still picture of artwork, you can have like a house full of freaking highlights and moving artwork. That's fire. Yeah, so that it's called so like fire. NBA Top Shot. That's yeah. like one of the main ones. Like you like buy packs and it's like you get moments. So my brother did one and he bought like the rookie showcase, something like that. That's what it was called. And he got LaMelo rookie season, his first triple double. And like he was able to sell that for like $5,000. And you had a, the LeBron dunk that he was talking about. It was him on, I think, uh, Bejlica. Bejlica, uh, excuse me. I apologize. And that one sold for almost two hundred and fifty thousand. Damn! So it's like the, the that this NFT stuff is basically the future of highlights. Damn, that is crazy. That. I think I don't know if the highlights. I think it's the future of artwork. But like Correct. highlights, Correct. yeah, you know, I just watch highlights on YouTube. I, it's a no, website. It's, there's NBA no app. Top Shot. It's a website. Yep. 
And you buy the stuff with real money. Yeah, you could sell it. Yeah, but the only way you get those cards are by buying packs. But you have to get into like a, a there's a queue that you wait on. And there's a certain number of packs. If let's say there's 50,000 packs and you're 50,000 and one, you missed out. Bro, just just think about just think about it as NBA, my team, but it's real life. Makes sense. That's yeah, what it correct. basically is. It That's what it basically is. And the game doesn't change year to year. So the value of those cards in the game are not devalued, basically. Yeah. But this week in the NBA, this is our go-to segment. Every week in the NBA, we do a This Week in the NBA because there are a lot of stuff that happened that we can't always fit in the topic list. So starting off with Riv, what is your This Week in the NBA? I want to hear from you. Well, this is a LeBron stat. I know this is very shocking, but um, just got it on ESPN. At 37, LeBron is the oldest player in NBA history to have 10 straight 25-point games. He passes the GOAT, the one and only Michael Jordan, who did it himself. at age 34. You know, and I think that's just a testament to LeBron's longevity, a testament to him being great at this age. You know, he's one of the probably the only player in NBA history who was at 37 years old doing what he's doing, still one of the best players in the NBA. So I think his longevity is obviously one of the reasons why he's one of the greatest players ever. So got to give him some shout here. He's still not better than MJ, but he's number two for me. Strong guy. No, I appreciate those kind words that you just said to my guy, LeBron James, but you said he passed the GOAT, and I was just like, oh, did he pass himself? I, I thought that he passed Michael Jordan. Besides the point. He's like a this sheep. Week, who? LeBron is the sheep, and then MJ oh, like a GOAT. Okay. No, no, I'm sorry, bud. You're not, you're not going to hit me with that one. That being said, uh, this week in the NBA for me, the Memphis Grizzlies have been playing some unbelievable basketball lately on a seven-game win streak, and there was a little bit of chatter whether this win streak was due to Ja's absence and whether these young guys were were really stepping up to the plate or if the Grizzlies are better without Ja Morant. And I felt more than fine with what I was saying. This, this time without Ja Morant was going to allow these young guys, like a Desmond Bain, a Jaron Jackson, a Dylan Brooks, to gain confidence in their game and when John Morant came back to the court, they were going to elevate together. Now, we're on a seven-game win streak now. After John Morant came back, they lost the first two, and that chatter really started to get real. Then they won these seven straight against teams like the Suns, my Lakers. You have Brooklyn in that mix. You have the Cavaliers who have been playing great basketball. So, and in those of those seven games, six of them, John Morant has been the team's leading scorer. So, it shows that this team can not only have success without John Morant, but with John Morant, with it, with with the guys, they're even better. And you, JC, what's your NBA in the, this week in the NBA? Uh, this week in the NBA for me was uh, the improved play of Philly. Uh, and, of course, Joel Embiid. Um, Joel Embiid's been phenomenal in this, I believe, six, seven-game win streak that they've been on. They beat, they beat the Nets, which – was one of the key victories for them at home, which was the first loss that started the Nets losing skid at home. But, you know, Joel Embiid's just been, I mean, we saw it at the start of the season, how his his season's kind of been up and down in terms of health. So start of the season, Joel Embiid was firmly in the MVP race, got COVID, uh, missed a lot of games, team dropped in the standings. He comes back, gets his legs and and win under him. Philly starts winning some games and now, on the updated NBA MVP tracker list, he actually is now number four. 
Wow. He's now number four. I believe he passed Steph Curry, right? If I'm not yes, mistaken. Steph yes, he's four. So that's just like that just that's just incredible to me what Joel Embiid has been doing. Obviously, without Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid's been playing. I mean, Tobias Harris hasn't really been playing that well this year. He's getting some boost from from uh Philly from the Philly fans. So I mean, Joel Embiid's had a lot to work with this year. He's had uh, his injury, uh, his injuries, and obviously his illness. But just the fact that he's putting Philly on his back playing like one of the best players in the NBA. And now that he's number four in the MVP race tracker, I feel like that that's something that I feel like is incredible. That And I feel like Joel Embiid can keep building on this. And hopefully for Philly fans, and maybe he could even reach that top three, maybe top two, if they keep playing that well and he keeps balling out like he's been playing. So I want to mention two things. Um, for one, DeMar DeRozan's game winners versus the Pacers and Wizards, I Rash. think deserve some <laughs> recognition. <laughs> But this is the second thing I want to mention, and this is the most interesting thing that I was going to mention. Um, the Atlanta Hawks, it's rumored that they are interested in Ben Simmons or they might be interested in Ben Simmons. Now, I think they they have a trade package that is pretty fascinating. They could trade Cam Reddish along with Danilo Gallinari and maybe DeLon Wright to make the contracts work for Ben Simmons the Atlanta Hawks right now are 27th in defensive rating. They could really use him. Now, what do you think? Do you think that the Hawks should go out and trade for Simmons? And if they do indeed get Simmons, how do you view this Atlanta Hawks team? That's that, For me, that's tough because, you know, what does a lineup of Trey, Bogey, Ben, Collins, and Capella look like? You that, know? that sounds really good. I'm going to be honest. Well, yeah, that that team really? sounds crazy. Yeah, yeah defensively, that is just going to boost them up times thirty. And in terms of playmaking, obviously you have Trey, who's one of the best playmakers in the game. But now you don't have to heavily rely on him for that part of his game. You didn't, and you didn't through. even mention this. What about a lineup of Trey, DeAndre Hunter, Simmons, DeAndre Collins, Hunter. and Capella? Defensively, that sounds insane. They could probably guess, make Capella expendable too, and yeah, maybe play Collins at the me, five. It's just. Ben really Simmons at the four. Ben is, if Ben is going to be a change player offense, I, like for me, I guess that's just the, the one worry for me. Is he going to be a change? Not even a, just a change player, but somebody who's just going to take shots. But, but th this is the thing I, I, I this is the thing that I kind of have trouble with. Uh, I, I feel like because of Ben Simmons' playoff struggles and the mentality that he doesn't have, we over we undermine everything he does. Great, he's a great rebounder. He's a great facilitator. He's created. He's he's like top he's like top three and most created open three point three pointers in the last couple of years. Atlanta has shooters. Trey would benefit from a secondary playmaker, and I think he can play. He can really benefit in in a fast paced offense like this. I I don't think Ben Simmons is a superstar, but he's definitely an all star. And adding an all star to this Atlanta Hawks team can definitely put them towards the top of the Eastern Conference, I think. I think this can yeah, really boost Philly, them up. Philly was different. Philly was different. Ben Simmons was a primary ball handler, and they had way more. They had guys who can space the floor. So Ben was the number one playmaker. Trey is going to have the ball. Wait, does does, gonna, would, does Atlanta not have that, though? Collins can space, Hunter, Bogey. Collins can Kevin, space? Bro, what? Collins yes, can space. he can. Collins can space, bro. <laughs> yes, he can. Capella can't. All right, yeah, Capella you're right. Can, he can't. Capella can't, so it's like, and and who you know, it's it's really just tough for me because you you got two guys in the lineup you don't have to guard outside the paint. 
I just and, think the and for Philly, the they 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 struggled with that with one guy. So imagine Atlanta with two of those guys on the court. And d- defensively, they're going to be great. No, listen, Ben Simmons, I know defensively what Ben's going to be defensively. They're going to up in defense, especially when DeAndre Hunter comes back. But offensively, what was the problem with Draymond? His whole, his whole problem was he wouldn't want to shoot, right? Like, that was mm-hmm. his whole mistake. They, they, he used to be able to shoot, then he wouldn't want to shoot. Now he's back to at least taking shots. I think if Ben just takes, like, I, I, for me, it's just if he just takes the shot or just becomes a little bit more aggressive, I think, like, yeah, all right, I'm more comfortable with this. But on offense, it's like that's just another guy you don't really have to guard along with Capella. But you even know? you talking right. about Ben Simmons taking shots, even with Simmons' lack of taking shots, he's going to average anywhere from 14 to 18 points per game every single night and give you elite and, but, defense. He is a top three to, defender in the NBA. To add on to what you were saying too, Riv, you're saying how he wouldn't be the primary ball handler. Which is, I, I agree with that. Obviously, Trayon's going to have the ball in his hand more. That being said, he's going to have the ball in his hand the second most on that team. And it would borderline be an even split, given the fact that Ben Simmons is as great of a, a facilitator as there is anyone in this league. And on top of that, like you said, if he decides to take that Draymond-type role on his team where defensively he is the anchor to the squad, but on top of that, on offense now, he's pick and rolling with Trey Young, where that would be almost impossible to guard where it would be similar to a Steph and, and Draymond, except obviously Steph is the greatest shooter of all time. And as great as Trey Young is, he's not, he's not Steph Curry. And Simmons isn't Draymond would, either. No, he, he isn't Draymond in the sense of defense where. No, 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 no. He still, is that, offensively. Really he's not close. Draymond either. O- offensively because he can't shoot, I guess, but what has not Draymond even that. I, I, I honestly think Draymond's a better playmaker than, than Ben. He's smarter as well. Bro, oh, oh, I, I don't like that 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 at all, given the fact that he literally just sits at the top of the post and hands the ball off to Steph Curry. He doesn't do that, that, bro. Wait, wait, wait. He I'm doesn't not, do I'm not that. saying that that's the only roll. thing he do does. I'm he not does? saying, again, I'm bro, not saying he's that's the of, only thing he does. The reason Let me why, finish my sentiments. Okay. Let me finish. That being said, I'm not saying that Draymond Green's only a handoff, but a good amount of his assists are basically, I'm setting the screen for Steph Curry. I'm getting Steph Curry open. Steph Curry's going to help me out. Ben Simmons, too. Not necessarily. Yes, does he, have he does a, it a more. Steph Curry, where he picks. No, he does not. Not in yes. that sense. No, he does not. That's Bro, very, Draymond. That's the reason why the Draymond and Curry pick and roll duo is so deadly is because, because Curry's the best shooter ever. See, you're undermining Draymond. It's because Draymond is so smart at reading defenses and knowing how to read and react. Like Draymond is one of the best rolling bigs in the NBA. He's just again, amazing. Saying, I mean, I'm, of, I kind of, I kind of agree with you, Drew. I'm, I'm on like, I'm, I'm on the side of Drew. I feel like any pass that Draymond Green can make, Ben Simmons can make the same exact. Literally, thing. but I no think Dray, I, I'm, oh, I'm not saying all that, but like, like Draymond Green, like when he comes off the screen, he'll either go for the layup, center helps, but lob to the big. You're man. right, but ben the, the thing, this is, this is my, this is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to say. I think the trait for one. The Trey and Ben Simmons pick and roll is going to be deadly. And it's going to be similar to Curry and Draymond. You mentioned the reason why it won't be exactly similar is because Curry's the best shooter of all time. Well, I think Trey Young still demands the same amount amount of respect as Curry on those pick and roll situations. Maybe not as much, but teams are definitely playing up on Trey, bro. Let's stop the cat. Teams are playing up on Trey. What? Yes, they are, bro. 
I don't know about that one, buddy. Bro, what what what, what really what really sets apart that pick and roll dynamic between what would be Trey and Simmons and Draymond and Curry is how much smarter Draymond is in those situations than Ben Simmons at making the correct reads. That's ben, what I ben think Simmons sets them apart. To read a defense too, so not like Draymond, bro. I think Draymond has. If, if we're talking about IQ, I think Draymond is top five IQ in the NBA. And we, got, we you know, you know that like the, the other praising, day, you're praising ben the other day, hand, and then now the, no, 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 it's just Draymond to me is one of the more valuable players in the NBA. I think what he does doesn't show up in a box score, but Quinn Snyder said it the other day. He said Draymond Green's an MVP candidate, and that sounds crazy. But even Draymond Green, because I was watching his show, the Draymond Green show, he was like, I think I am an MVP candidate. Because what I do, if, if you can't watch me and understand stats aren't don't tell the whole picture, then you don't know what you're watching. And I, be, I, I agree. I think Draymond is an MVP candidate. He's If we're talking about top 15 most valuable players, Draymond Green is the top 15 most valuable player for his squad. All you have to do is look at last season and see what the Warriors were when Steph Curry was off the court and what they were when he was on the court. They didn't win a game. Dr- Draymond Green cannot carry a team. It doesn't. Ben, that doesn't matter to me. Does he elevate a team? He yes. elevates a team, when team tremendously. Nobody can himself. elevate a team by he's themselves. Not a floor, he's, he's not a floor raiser. He's a, he's a ceiling raiser, bro. Curry can raiser. do it by himself. That's what separates the two. And wait, why can he? The MVP and can, wait, not. can Curry? He hasn't made the playoffs by himself. Because they how many times stupid playing? How many, how many times? Playoffs, bro. Yeah, how, and how many times have you guys told me that last year when Steph Curry played, he would have had them as the no? I'm with you. Joe. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm actually, Joel. I'm actually, I'm, look, I'm actually. Th- this is actually an interesting conversation because you're talking about carrying a team. So what I understand you're talking, what I'm, what I'm guessing you're talking about is taking a Curry team to the playoff. Well. <laughs> Curry is the MVP of the Warriors. I understand that. But we're talking about value. Draymond Green elevates a team tremendously. Tremendously. You know, you know how much how much he elevates a team? Anthony Davis for you is the second best player on the Lakers. I guarantee if you switch AD spot with Draymond Green spot, you're still championship contenders. That's how important Draymond is, and that's how much he elevates a roster. That's a fact. Why are you making that face, Riff? Draymond, where's AD? Wait, where's AD going? I don't know, but he'll go somewhere. <laughs> you put an AD on the Warriors. You put an AD <laughs> on the Warriors, and we're getting Draymond. The Warriors are going to be even better than they already. I are. I don't know. I probably pick the. I probably pick the Lakers. Draymond is because that you're adding twenty. You're adding twenty five points. Draymond per game is that elite? You put Steph nah. with AD. AD soft. AD soft. AD is soft. AD is soft. Draymond's going <laughs> to cook him. Steph and AD in a pick and roll, bro. Stop. Come on, stop. Listen. Now you're saying AD listen, soft, man. I'm listen, tired of this. Listen. Wow. Listen. I'm gonna say. Wait. Hold up. Let me. Let me say this. Let me say this. Draymond Green. Sure, he might not be able to elevate a team into playoff contention, but neither no, he can. He can at all. Okay, he can't. You're right, JC. But you want to know what's the thing? Because his numbers don't. Because his numbers aren't twenty points per game or 15 or 18 and the team is losing we lose sight of his value just two years ago Bradley Beal averaged 30 and couldn't take the Wizards to the playoffs and because their roster sucked so even if a player is averaging 30 we see that if the roster isn't good he can't take the team to the playoffs I newsflash the Warriors roster sucked 
two years ago when Draymond was by himself. Go against your point. To be fair, to be fair. Hold on, Drew. I just want to say this real quick. To be fair, we do. I do. uh, I'm. I'm a little bit here with Joel. We got to stop acting like 14, seven, and seven, and is any different from eight, eight, and eight. Like I understand. Ben Simmons, I get it, Drew. You think Ben Simmons is otherworldly player? Well, we need to stop acting like that's a big gap. It's really not. Like eight, 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 14, 7, and seven. Honestly, it's it's six ten. It's the athleticism. It's the length. That's I don't care about that when Draymond is better than bro. More. You you think Ben all Simmons is, is better cool, than Draymond? But it's like what like all that is cool. But we have to forget Ben Simmons was the number one pick in the draft. We just said it with DeAndre. A. Ben Simmons was the number one pick in the NBA draft. His points per game has dropped every single year since he's got here, including the playoffs. It went from sixteen to twelve to ten points. Ten points. He averaged ten points in a playoff. Draymond so scored points. thirty in Game Seven, bro. Come on, like we have to stop. What, has this. he touched thirty points since that game? Well, he's shown when that when he ben needs thirty he, in a playoff game. Draymond has he gave, shown. He gave Rudy Gobert forty in a playoff game. I said in a playoff game. All right, all right. I was about to say, bro. Draymond has shown that when the chips matter, though, and and also look at this. Draymond has shown when the chips matter the most, he elevates his performance. Look at Draymond's playoff numbers. Look at his numbers versus the Portland Trailblazers when KD was out in the Western Conference Finals in 2019. He averaged 16, 10, and 10, bro. This dude was on a different level. Look at no, and look at last season when Draymond Green had a chance to win the game against the Grizzlies, and bro had a stroke at the hoop. Well, like, what do you that, want that's all say? cool. That's all good. That's say? all good. He's a three-time champion, and he's the heart and soul of Golden State Warriors. Right, he's so he's the he's the heart and soul of a dynasty, bro. What okay. are we talking? You think Ben Simmons is better than Draymond? Listen, I'm telling you right now. You take Draymond Green out, and you have KD, Clay, and Steph. They're still winning a championship. No, they don't exactly. get past Houston. Wait, wait, they don't Ben's get past not, Houston, wait, 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 bro. Hold, hold, Without Draymond, hold, they don't hold, get past hold, Houston. No, hold on, draw because Ben Simmons is not on Philly right now, and they're still winning games. Yeah, yeah, but their defensive true. rating is atrocious. But they're still winning games, though. Uh, they're, they're winning games, sure. So and because, and, so and wait, wait, a lot of it, a lot of a lot of that, their guys have been in and out of lineups. That's a, a lot of that. They're yeah, still winning games. And their, I understand. And their offense and their offense has been better than ever without went Mr. From, Playmaker. They went Mr. from first second of all, best Tyrese Maxey has been better for Philly than Ben That's Simmons really ever was. Good. Ever Next, was that's wildly ever was. that being said, like, that being ever said, was. last season they had the second best defensive what, rating. Now they're bottom twenty, and so, they blew it and they choked. So with all who, that defensive rating, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm choked. just saying we're talking about impact and influence of a game. Impact that's what? Ben what, got cooked. All that impact meant what? By, he got toasted by a top, in the by a top three point guard in the league. Oh my god! You're supposed to be. You told me he. This guy is. Lockdown. I mean, he, he, he is. I mean, lengthy, athletic. This is what he is, right? Six ten, lengthy, athletic. Look okay. at this, Riff. Riff. Look at this. Look at this. I'm gonna read you guys some some numbers. See, no, this is what's funny to me. Joel was just praising Ben Simmons. It gets overlooked. All this, that, and the other. And now, bro, is back because he's him. not Draymond. Right, <laughs> he's so not now, Draymond. See- Oh my, all right, God, read your no, numbers, Look at bro. this. In 2014-15, Draymond Green, when the Golden State Warriors won their first 2014 championship. 2014 and 15. Like, bro, we're talking about six, seven years ago. Hold up. I'm, let me, let me, can I read? Can playoff can, numbers in 2020. Bro, I'm reading all, I'm going to read all of them, okay? Let me just all finish. Right, all right, I apologize. So, in 14-15, he averaged 14-10-5 and five with two steals and a block. They won the championship. The very next year in 15-16, he averaged 15 10 and 6 with 1.6 steals and 1.8 blocks per game. 16-17, he averaged 13, 9, and 7. Two steals and 1.6 blocks. 17-18, when he won a championship again, he averaged 11, 11, and 8. And he averaged two steals and 1.5 blocks. 
And the last time he made the playoffs in 18-19, he averaged 13-8, 1.5 steals, and 1.5 blocks. And Ben don't have those numbers. And even and Ben's also not playing with Steph Curry, and, KD, Clay. You're telling me Ben Simmons would do better in that role than Draymond? And 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 getting 11 assists was, a game? Was, yes, Ben Simmons was, could do that. He played wait wait, but he played he with Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, and B. He didn't not play. He played with good players. It's not like he played with scrubs now. Let's not do I understand. that. Understand? And they went to Game Seven against Toronto and would have won that series if not for the luckiest shot in NBA history. Or 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 if maybe Mister Six Ten Lanky can freaking guard somebody like he, he was getting what, what absolutely are you talking about. Kawhi was, the the Kawhi was putting them in a blender sauce. And bro, they barely won. Bro, they there were two. Won. There were two years in the playoffs where Draymond shot thirty six and forty one percent from three on like three plus attempts. Like, come on, bro, Draymond. He elevates How his long game. How tr- was that? That was like Talk four years ago. years ago. But bro, well. he elevates his game. Ben Simmons is not Draymond, bro. Again, I, you're you're talking about it with Draymond playing with KD, Clay, and Steph. It, it's very easy. What do you mean? To, they won a championship without KD. These numbers. Right, we're like, talking yeah, about 2015 like, when LeBron was playing legitimately by himself. Bro, but you act like six. but you act like those guys that make him play defense. He is and the what, de- and what, is if, the what did Draymond what did Draymond Green do to try and stop LeBron? Right, we gave Andre Iguodala what would ben Simmons all this do? credit and praise. What would Ben Simmons do? No one, no one was doing oh, anything so against LeBron. It's so that bro, Draymond is I'm Ed Reed. Saying, That's what he is. Draymond is a free safety on defense. He's a great on ball player as well, but he's really. A great safety on defense. He is the anchor. He's the quarterback on defense. So then he should have he should have been the the MVP of the the finals. Oh my god, this guy. You know, you know. This one I'm gonna tell you. This one I'm gonna tell you right now. This, <laughs> this last guy, thing I'm gonna say. This guy is a joke. <laughs> Draymond Green, his value gets so overlooked, and I I don't think Ben Simmons is even close to his level, bro. I don't. I really don't think so. And you talk In about all time, you, bro. Things, you you sure. talk you talk about you talk about. KD and yeah, that's why they won and stuff. Okay, fine. I'll let you have that point. When they went to back-to-back championships with Klay Thompson, Steph, and Harrison Barnes and that crew with Iguodala as well, there was an argument to be made that Draymond was more important than Klay, bro. Let's not act like that's not a real thing. This this is now we're going on six years ago. <laughs> well, but last, he proved well, last it. What, when playoffs, has Ben ever did anything? He hasn't hold, done hold, anything. Last year, last year in the playoffs, Ben Simmons averaged ten points. Oh, you're going off last season. season, which is one of the worst playoff performances we've seen by a star in our league. Well, he he good. choked before that too. It's not the first time not he choked. Not really choked. And again, we, you mentioned that Toronto series. Again, they were in a game seven, and they were one, I two, three. Unfortunate. What about when Kyrie and Hayward were out? What about when he lost to Rozier and Jalen Brown in the rookie he Tatum? Lost Boston, he got outplayed really bad that series. What about yeah. that? Tatum. That Boston team was actually good. They left him. They left him open, bro. They left him open. They left him Again, open. He's not a shooter. He's okay, but shooter. like they did, they, they disrespected him. Yeah, they do that to Draymond now. No, I mean he makes it though. What do you mean they <laughs> he, don't? He, Draymond he makes uh, Draymond makes him pay, bro. No, he does what are you talking not. About? Yes, he Barely does. Barely ever. Barely ever. Did you not watch that Suns game? They left him open. He had a dagger three. Uh, and was that his only three of the game? I don't know if it was, but they definitely was the most important one. Open like they leave Ben. They guard Ben like Westbrook. Even worse than Westbrook. Go- I've seen them guard Draymond like Westbrook. Probably a couple years ago, not this year. Again, the, I don't know why this is against Boston. Well, we, we got so points. off track. We got so off track, but this was he really did. a Ben Simmons to Atlanta. Let's just get back on track of this thing. He I shot think forty-one percent. By the way, I think the Atlanta Hawks. I think the Atlanta Hawks should trade for Ben Simmons. They have the twenty-seven defensive rating currently, and I think the pick and roll duel between Trey Young and Ben. 
can be similar to what we see from Steph and Draymond. It can be a really formidable duo, and he would help their defense. A lineup of Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter, Ben Simmons, John Collins, and Bogey, a small, a small lineup like that can be very effective. And Philly can benefit from it too. I think Cam Reddish is a good solid piece for the future, who has shown this year he's been playing at a very efficient level. Getting DeLon Wright or getting Gallinari, another forward to space the floor would help Embiid as well. So I, I think it makes sense for both sides. Okay. I just I think Atlanta is getting Ben is huge on defense, but it's like really a team thing. Like none of them are playing defense right now. Like I think they really need to look at themselves in the mirror. I told you guys Capella was a bit overrated as a defender. I was gonna say I agree with what you were saying initially. You that this trade would make Capella expendable. You don't need Capella on this team if you bring in Ben Simmons. To Charlotte? And they have Onyeka, and Onyeka's going to get healthy too. And you know he's a very versatile and great defender. For sure. Capella to Charlotte. Yeah. So on to the next segment. You know, we got into a very heated discussion here. Um, Julius Randle gave the Knicks fans a thumbs down gesture. And when asked about it, he said it meant shut the F up. Now, mm. I'll go first because I'm a Knicks fan, and ironically, I'm wearing a Mets jersey, and the Mets got into this kind of little dilemma earlier in the season when Baez gave fans a thumbs down as well. So I'll great talk job, about bro. who? Great job. You're oh, saying great job. Great for knowing Baez? Come on, Absolutely. bro. I'm a, I'm a Mets Absolutely. fan. What, come on, man. What are, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> All right. My bad. So um, what I think about this, you know, Julius Randle apologized for it. He said he regretted it, but I don't think he needed to apologize for it. I, I think New York fans have a tendency to do this with our star players. I mean, we the Knicks fans especially, but we see with the Nets. I mean, Nets fans right now are getting on Harden's case, and they're talking a lot of smack about Harden right now. When Carmelo Anthony, I, I know that people say this was said about Patrick Ewing and other former stars, but I was alive and I was present for the Carmelo Anthony era in New York and when Carmelo was here in New York when our starting lineup was Jose Calderon, Aaron Aflalo, Porzingis and Robin Lopez Carmelo was the one getting blamed every single night it wasn't Phil Jackson it wasn't our roster construction it was Carmelo oh stop jockeying pass the ball all this and all that and Carmelo wasn't the most efficient but he was far from the problem in New York and Julius Randle, this year, he's averaging 19.6 points per game, 10 rebounds, 4.9 assists. But his efficiency is is extremely, is lowered from last year. Last year, he won most improved player. If there was an award for most regressed player, Julius Randle might be a runner-up right now. That's how bad he's been. And I'm not excusing his play, but us Knicks fans have to realize that he, even though he has been worse for us, he is not the main culprit of why we are not a good team. Fournier has been extremely disappointing, and it seems like he only shows up against Boston. R.J. Barrett has been such a disappointment to, to the point that I'm out on him. And, and listen, Riv, earlier in the show, you wanted to talk smack about R.J. That's reserved for me, buddy. I'm the only one that could do this on can do that on the show because I'm the R.J. Barrett guy. So I don't want to hear a peep out of you. From about R.J. Barrett. I don't want you to talk smack about him. That's for me to do, man. I don't want you to say nothing about R.J. Barrett. Our team is just not very good. And Julius Randle deserves a lot of... He, de he deserves to get held accountable 
for his poor play. And for some reason, he only performs in primetime games and in games that aren't nationally televised. He he lays an egg on Christmas. He had 24 and 12. Then the next two games he played versus the Timberwolves and then the Pistons. And I'm trying to look at the, how much points he had. He had right there. The next two games he played against the Pistons and the Timberwolves, and he had 13 points and then five points. And those were non-nationally televised games. I mean, for some reason, Randall just doesn't show up. The energy isn't there, but he is far from the main problem because we saw when Randall got COVID, we were 0-2. Everybody wanted R.J. Barrett to have the keys. We barely beat OKC. OB Toppin gets his first start. Knicks fans have been begging for OB to get minutes over Randall. OB gets his first start, and in 20-plus minutes versus the Pistons and Thunder, he had nine points, then five points. So even when he got his opportunity, he didn't make the most of it. Yet all we want to do is blame Randall. The Knicks are 4-5 and five when Randall scores 24-plus points this season. We're 4-4 four and four when he scores 30-plus. So even when Randall is balling at an all-NBA level, we still lose games. We're still an average team. So the team's problems are far from Randall. He is one of the reasons why we aren't as good as we are. But I think he does deserve some slack. And the thumbs down gesture was bad on his part because he has to understand that's just how fans are. I mean, even when we get negative comments on our videos, we don't go responding to everybody, but or even to anybody. But Julius Randle is probably just so fed up with the New York market because every other day he has to hear about R.J. Barrett getting less opportunities because of him, even though R.J. Barrett, it's quite obvious he's not a number one option. And he just, it, he keeps on getting blamed because he is the face of the franchise right now. And I think he just got fed up. I don't think he should have apologized for it, but it happened with Melo and it's going to happen with Randall. He just has to play better. Man, that four-year take looks so sweet for me. Oh, man. You know, that take <laughs> just looks... Oh, it looks so sweet for me. Not oh, really, because you because you talk you 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 said that he wasn't an upgrade over Reggie Bullock. Reggie Bullock's not doing anything for Dallas, bro. No, but I'm speaking for the Knicks. When Reggie was there, y'all made the playoffs strong, strong. This year you're struggling. That Kemba take, woo, that's another one for me. I just ah, hit that on the net. Listen, I keep trying to tell you RJ is a grown man that can't go right. You just refuse to listen to me. It's not but, that he can't go right. He just can't create a yeah, shot. He can't create yeah, off the yeah, dribble. Yeah, That's yeah, really yeah, the main problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to stop okay. talking about like you know everything about RJ. Yo, he's you're one not, of the worst you don't know anything about RJ. Out of Verde. Honest to God, he's one of the worst. You look at D'Lo. You look at Ben Simmons. He's RJ is at the bottom of the barrel right now. But that's neither here nor there. He's young. He has a lot of potential. Cool. Julius Randle's comments were justified. And it, it was on, it was out of frustration. You know, he's frustrated. This fan base has turned on him. Every other day is something new. And I think, you know, last year what he did was it was extremely impressive. You know, making an all NBA team averaging what north of 22 points a game. 24, 10, 10 and Thank six. You. Thank you. 24, 10 and six. That's incredible number. 40 percent from you three. Oh, talk about it. Look, listen, talk about it. 40% from three. He had a, he had an amazing year last year. He deserved all NBA. He willed that Knicks team to the playoffs. You know, granted, they got smoked out by the Hawks. He didn't play good. But nonetheless, he got them there. He put them back on the map. And I think New York Knicks fans, they have a short attention span. You know, they 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 forget things pretty fast, too. They don't care about what you did last year. This is a fan base that's starving. It's been starving. It wants to see consistent success. And when their team is struggling right now, 
you know, New York fans are hard. They're going to come for you. They're going to talk back. And, you know, it's it's weird because a lot of the things they're saying, RJ Bears struggles are because of Julius Randle. I don't think that's true. I just think RJ hasn't made the proper adjustments or have made the proper improvements in his game. But Randle hasn't also lived up to the hype. You know, he hasn't lived up to last year. He's looked like a fluke. You know, he doesn't look like the same player. He's regressed in a lot of areas. And I think the beauty of it is you guys didn't give him a max. You know, that was the beauty of it. You guys didn't pay him the full amount of money. You know, you guys still have a good team, like in terms of pieces around. But it's, it's just the, the problem is bigger than Randall. And I wish New York fans would see that because a lot of it is not, obviously Randall's going to get the slack. He's the star player. He's the leader of the team. He's your all NBA guy. So he's going to forever get the slack. But like you said, look at Fournier. You look at Obi Toppin, you look at Tom Thibodeau as a coach. You know, you look at Kemba Walker, you look at the front office. What have they done this year to make the I feel like the front office is the only place that's done their job this year. They've tried to put the pieces around just R.J. Baird. You look at him and his improvements. I mean, the only bright spots it looks like is a man you quickly most of the time. He looks like at all times he's a hot flame. He can get hot. You look at Mitch Robinson. What? Why haven't you improved? What's been your struggles? You look at Obi Toppin. I mean, the rookies that you've got. They're really good rookies, and you got them late in the draft, and those are impressive. Quentin Grimes and Deuce Deuce, those are good picks. Those are good players. They're going to be good for you guys in the long run. But in a sense, I think Julius Randle, to bring it all around, Julius Randle comments were justified because obviously coming back in that game down big, you know, making that comeback, making that roar. And, you know, he didn't want to hear it from the fans because they were booing. They weren't on their side. You know, as a, as a team, and I can speak to this because my Bulls have been down a lot. Our fan base doesn't give up. We still cheer, you know, because there's never you, you're not supposed to give up on your players and they still cheer. You get the team going and that's what gets us back to those wins. That's what brings us back. And for Knicks, you know, they see their team go down and they just start booing. Team sucks. So I think a lot of that was just frustration from Randall, but it was justified. This topic I kind of struggle with. Because. As professional athletes, there's things that you sign up for when you get a contract. And I'm going to sound like such an old head, but I feel pretty firm on this. You look at history and New York sports. We all can agree the most brutal fans in sports there are are New York fans, without a doubt. The fact that Derek Jeter got booed in Yankee Stadium, the fact that Mariano Rivera got booed in Yankee Stadium. I know you guys aren't baseball heads. But for anyone that watches and understands or knows anything about Derek Jeter, you know, Derek Jeter, you know, Mariano Rivera, there is no one exempt from being booed if you play in New York. That being said, Julius Randle has not been what everyone had been expecting Julius Randle to be this season. And Julius Randle has, to a degree, been disappointing Knicks fans. Now, Julius Randle responded in the right way in the sense of the way he played down the stretch. He did not respond in the correct way and putting the thumbs down gesture. And even if he he just did the thumbs down gesture and didn't even speak about anything of what he meant internally, the fact that he came out and said that it meant shut the F up was completely un. I don't want to say unbelievable, but I, I, it was just unnecessary. You understand as a player, fans are very cutthroat. They love you when you're great. They hate you when you're not. But the way to keep fans on your side are by being consistent. Steph Curry has been playing not to Steph Curry standards, but the reason why he gets a pass is because he's shown a level of consistency 
for years and years and years. Julius Randle just broke onto the scene for the Knicks and has been was great for them last year. And this season, he's shooting less field goal percentage, a less three-point percentage, a less efficient field goal percentage, less points per game. What more do you need or what are what really are you, do you want the Knicks fans to do? You guys as a whole have been disappointing the entirety, not just Julius Randle, but as a whole, the Knicks have been disappointing. And it's not and it's not, I'm not saying it's solely because of Julius Randle, but he's definitely one of the reasons why the Knicks are not as good as people had projected them to be coming into this season or not as good as they were last season. I look at it like this. Giancarlo Stanton is the epitome of New York fans in this modern era booing someone to death. Giancarlo needed to prove it that he was a real New York Yankee. He got booed more than I've heard any other Yankee get booed. This season had one of his best years, and now New York fans love him. There is no one outside of maybe Aaron Judge that fans look at and say, we love and embrace this dude. But it's a matter of overcoming adversity. I understand we live in an era where mental health is out of at the forefront, and I firmly am okay with that. But this is a little bit different in my in my opinion, where it's fans being fans. They want the team to be successful. And if you're not producing for them, they're gonna let you know. Oof. I mean, honestly, to be honest, I love it. I, I love that Julius Randle <laughs> did that, you know, because Knicks fans are some of the most and they're just some of the most toxic fans out. They're extremely toxic. And and to everybody's point, you know what you sign up for when you play in New York. I mean, James Harden, who's had a career just head and shoulders above Julius Randle. James Harden, who came back on a grade two hamstring in the postseason to give us a chance to, you know, win against the Milwaukee Bucks, got booed because he was playing bad. And I didn't think the boos were warranted for Harden. And I don't think the boos per se, are warranted for Julius Randle in the sense that uh, all these other additions to their team haven't really held their own weight along with Julius Randle. I mean, R.J. Barrett, to Joel's credit, he's right. He's regressed. I've seen enough games to know that this year, R.J. Barrett's averaging a career low across the board. Evan Fournier has been a disappointment. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, another guy, he always struggles with foul issues. I always see that guy found out the game. And it's just like it's it, it it's a it's a it's a bad environment because Knicks fans tend to forget that Julius Randle had you guys as, as the man as the fourth seed last year, albeit he didn't play well against Atlanta, but that was the most successful season that you had since that season that you made, I believe, the second seed with Carmelo Anthony. And he made an all NBA team and, and he put on that season. And you know, I mean, new New York fans are gonna be New York fans, like you know, James Harden. Example, better player, got booed. Julius Randle, I mean, he's embraced that that Knicks culture. He's 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 given the Knicks, well, we thought he was giving the Knicks something to be, you know, cheerful for or whatever. Obviously, it hasn't happened this year. But, I mean, like Joel said, all the problems that the Knicks have don't really rely just on Julius Randle. It's players across the board that have taken, that, that have regressed. Even Tom Thibodeau, somebody who I was fond of, pulling Kemba, out the, Kemba Walker out the lineup, and all these other things, just creating all these ex- internal, external problems with the Knicks. I mean, it's all just, it's just, it's not, it's not meshing well right now. And to, for you guys to boo Julius Randle, I get he's your best player, but for you guys to boo the, the man that made the all NBA second team and put on an, a, a basically a historic Knicks season last year, I don't, I, that just doesn't sit right with me. And I like that 
in, in great fashion, he finished that game out. They came back, they won. And in great fashion, he told them, like, yo, if y'all not going to be with me now, after all that I've done last year, and and, and y'all just going to boo me like that, you're going to forget the type of success that we had last year, then I don't want, I don't want your roars. So, I mean, hopefully, you know, Julius Randle, the Knicks can turn this around. They have been playing slightly better. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with Julius Randle. I like it. You know, New York fans like to tend to dish out a lot of, like, I don't want to say hate, but they tend to, to speak their mind. And I don't have a problem with an athlete saying, like, yo, you guys want to talk about me and my game and everything? I'm going to talk about you guys and tell you to shut up as fans. Even playing field for me, to you be just honest. Need a, you need a different type of mentality when you go to, you go to New York. You know, the garden Crazy. is just a different beast. Crazy. Like, to play in New York, you got to have that tough skin, that rugged Ooh. mindset. Like, the mentality just got to be different. Because New York, first of all, it's the Big Apple. It's one of the best cities in the world. You know what I'm saying? It's the top three biggest city in America. Probably top two. Like, that in L.A., like, those are the city. Like, you got to just have a different type of skin to you. And then Randall, he learning that firsthand. Like, this is real. Like, New York fans don't play. Like, yeah, it's true. but Randall should have Randall Randall already felt it though. His first year in New York, he felt yeah, that. His first year, it, it's the same as this year. The first, oh my god, the first, I used to work with a bunch of Knicks fans and, and they were ripping Randall the first year, saying that he's terrible. He oh, sucked, yeah, he sucked for stuff. sure. And then the next year, when he plays an all NBA season, like, yo, man, I was so he's wrong seen the ups and downs of it. And now they're back on the chain, like, yo, Randall was never that guy, like, they wasn't cheering for him last year. Well, just, Randall just, does have to play better, though. I mean, it's just... He definitely does. It's, definitely you know, does. you're dropping from 24 to 19. It's, it, it, that's a disgrace. I think that's a disgrace. You go from 40% three-point... You go from a 40% three-point shooter to 32%. Like... They just aren't good. What 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 is that? You know, so... Randall does have to play better. I do like that he clapped back at fans, because sometimes fans are a little bit too loud and obnoxious. And... Being at, you know, being at sporting events, I like it sometimes, but then sometimes I am around some really obnoxious fans and it, it makes me really reevaluate how these guys think because it, it, it the way some fans think is actually pretty disgusting. <laughs> like there's definitely some fans that are over the top. I 100% agree with you. But the normal fan, like me, I was one of those guys that when Giancarlo came up to bat and he struck out, I was booing him because I wanted more from him. We're giving this guy top dollar. The Knicks are giving this guy, Julius Randle, top dollar. They didn't pay him. They didn't, a, they didn't pay him. They did, didn't give him a contract. They, they didn't did just contract. pay him. The, he just, the Knicks, he just signed. They, they, they didn't extend him. They, no, we did. Yeah, not they a max, though. Him. It wasn't a max. max. No, not a oh, max. Yeah, they, He's yeah, getting paid $28 million. Like, that's still a, a lot of money and easily the most on the Knicks roster by any player, without a doubt. My point being... As the best player on the team, there's a certain responsibility on your back. And if you can't handle that, then then that's on you. You need to adjust to the game. There's so many aspects to NBA, to professional sports, and that's one of them. And and it takes a certain mental toughness to, to overcome it, particularly in New York. And I definitely understand that. But in the sense of not being able to tolerate it and responding back, that's where I have an issue. We took a slight intermission because Riv had to go use the bathroom. He couldn't control his bladder. And we used that opportunity to uh, get some water. I got some more Poland Spring, uh, not sponsored, by the way. And Drew is in a rush. He wants to go and live the lavish life of being in (laughs) Miami. And he wants to party with the rock stars. So we cut out a segment, which I don't think is that important because it was about the Boston Celtics. And we all agreed we didn't really want to talk about them because they suck right now. So we are going to 
have some heated debates on these next three segments. Well, I think these next two, because we're going to talk about Curry and LeBron. But before that, we're going to talk about Fred Van Vliet, Frederico, Freddie All-Star. The NBA fan vote came out this past uh, week, and Fred Van Vliet ranks 10th in fan vote behind LaMelo, Kyrie Irving, Derrick Rose, Tyler Hero, and Darius Garland. At least in my opinion, I think he should. I mean, the fact that Kyrie and D Rose are ahead of him is just a, a disgrace. And I think he should be ahead of Tyler Hero. Now, I want to start with you, Riv, because before the season, you predicted the Raptors would make the playoffs. And so far, so good. They're the seventh seed right now. They'd be in the play in. Now, Riv, do you think Fred Van Vliet is an all star this season? Well, considering the fact that after his last performance where he put up 24 and a quarter and turned into LeBron, and I think he didn't miss, you know, he had his first triple-double. You know, he's been amazing. I think he's definitely walked himself into that discussion with Garland and LaMelo for that spot. And considering the fact that his team is winning more now, because I think the problem was before his team wasn't winning. I think we talked about that last week or two weeks ago, and now they've creeped up into the play-in. They're seventh seed right now, or eighth seed, I believe. And they're definitely, you know, they haven't been healthy all year. They Siakam missed some time early. OG has missed some time. You know, they've got guys that have missed some time. And I think now that everybody's back, you know, you've seen Scotty kind of reduce more to a playmaking role. He hasn't been as aggressive on at scoring because now his guys are back. Fred Van Vliet has walked in and been, the, you know, he's walked in, has been one of the most improved players in the league. He stepped up as a leader. He's been efficient. He's been a really good playmaker for them. And I think me and, we 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 talked about this earlier about Fred Van Vliet's playmaking. How it was just it, it's been different for them, but I think you know he definitely has a case against Garland and Lamelo because when you look at all their numbers, they're pretty much similar. But you look at the defensive end. I think Fred Van Vliet is clearly the best defender out of all three of them. He's yeah. the smallest too, and he's still the best defender out of all three of them. He's willing his team. I think you know Lamelo. He out of Garland, Lamelo, and Van Vliet. The last six, seven games, I feel like Garland and Van Vliet have upped their play. LaMelo has been kind of quiet in a sense where he hasn't been talked about enough. But Garland, also another guy, he's upped his level of play, too, for them tremendously. But Van Vliet, I think he's definitely should get some headway to be in that all-star game. He should definitely get some acknowledgement because he's been amazing. and He's willing this team to a playoff spot right now. The fan vote in the NBA is an absolute and complete joke. The fact that Kyrie Irving and Derrick Rose have more Derrick fan Rose. votes then Darius Garland and Fred Van Vliet is another joke and disgrace. I mean, especially Derrick Rose. I know Kyrie hasn't played, but at least Kyrie's and Clay Thompson. At, yeah, at least Kyrie is. We he we know he's an All Star player. I mean, Derrick Rose hasn't been that since he tore his ACL. Like this, this is just it's it's just a it's such a joke. Lamelo is going to get in off a of fan vote alone, but Darius Garland and Fred Van Vliet have been having better seasons than Lamelo Ball this year. It's as simple as that. Fred Van Vliet versus the Jazz had 37-10-10, had a triple-double. Granted, the Jazz didn't play any of their players. I mean, Mitchell was out, Gobert, Ingles, Clarkson. They didn't play anybody. But the Raptors are 19-17. and 17. They're the seventh seed. And you look at his stats this year, he's averaging close to 22 points per game, five rebounds, seven assists. He's improved tremendously as a playmaker. He's shooting 44% from the field and 40% from three. He's leading the NBA in minutes, but he's second in three-pointers made per game only behind Steph Curry. He leads the league in deflections per game at 3.9, 
and averages 1.6 steals per game. So what you said was right. He's a better defender than LaMelo and Darius Garland. The numbers back it up. He's averaging more points than LaMelo and Garland, and he's at seven assists per game. I mean, that's close to Garland. That's one less than LaMelo. Fred Van Vliet, in my opinion, should be an all-star. This year, the Raptors have a net rating of 6.1 when Van Vliet is on the floor and a net rating of minus 12.3 when he's on the sideline. This is why I wanted the Knicks to sign him last season because I knew he could have been our franchise point guard. He's been an all-star for the Raptors this year. They're 19 and 14 when he is playing, and the Raptors haven't been playing with fans this year even when they've been at home, which is huge because we know those fans are passionate. But I I think he should be an all-star. If I were making the pick for for these guys to be an all-star, Fred Van Vliet, to me, should be an all-star over LaMelo Ball and Darius Garland, and he'd be the first undrafted player since Ben Wallace to make the all-star game. Garland and Van Vliet is closer, but I think there's a gap between Van Vliet and LaMelo Ball. But 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 because LaMelo is popular, he's going to get in over Van Vliet, unfortunately. Shout out Ben Simmons. I mean, Ben Wallace. What, what do you mean that there's a gap between Van Vliet and LaMelo? I'm asking. LaMelo is having a better statistical season. He's way better on the defensive side of the ball, and they're winning more than Charlotte. You're saying, you're saying Van Vliet, you mean? Yes, that's why okay. there's a gap between him and LaMelo. Garland is closer because the Cavs are the fifth seed right now, currently the fifth or sixth. So Garland is winning as well. But LaMelo, they're not even in the playoffs right now. So why? why the number nine seed. Like, why, 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 should he, why should he get that? Yeah, and why should he get that nod over these guys, especially when his team features Bridges, who's a 20-point per game scorer, Gordon Hayward, Rozier. Like, he has guys on his team that are helping him. It's not a one-man show. Like, Fred Van Vliet. He, he, it's not a one-man no, show over I, in, in yeah, yeah. Toronto. I, I, I know, 100%. But when he's off the court, they're minus 12 and a half, so it kind of feels like it because he is their point guard. He is the guy. Again, I do believe Van Vliet should be an all-star. That being said, we know my opinion on LaMelo Ball. Wait, I believe sorry, that- Drew, before you keep going, you, Joel, you said his net rating when he's on the court is what? 6.1. And it's off is what? Minus 12.3. LaMelo's at a point three. Point three when he's off the court? When he's on. Point three. So not even like plus. I mean, no, sorry. Plus three. Pardon me. Plus, plus three. three. Yeah, so it ain't, it ain't really. See, that's exactly what I was trying to get into. You have LaMelo Ball, who leads his team in every statistical category outside of blocks. You want to talk about who means more to their team. I have to go LaMelo personally. You just cannot lead every team in every your your team in every single category and not mean the most to your squad. I agree with what you're saying about the wins. Toronto has been playing excellent ball, and a lot of that is credit to Fred Van Vliet. Darius Garland's another one that they're playing excellent ball, and a lot of that is credit to, to Darius Garland. But I feel like the majority of the responsibility is being put on LaMelo Ball's shoulder. He has to be the the leading points getter. Not that he doesn't have other options to score, which I definitely do agree with. That being said, he is, he is the team's leader in points. He is the team leaders in rebounding because they don't have a big man. He has to be down there getting the boards and he has some size to him. So he can just naturally rebound the basketball. He has to be one of the main facilitators, if not the primary facilitator to that offense. Fred Van Vliet has been doing a great job of being a facilitator this season 
that was a big question of his game, whether he's a true point guard or not. He's, I believe he's 14th, right? I believe 12th or 14th right now. I'm blanking off the top of my head. Uh, 14th right now as league leaders in assists. So he clearly can assist the, the basketball pretty firmly. That being said, LaMelo has more assists than he does. Uh, Van Vliet has more points than, than LaMelo's averaging, but it's only by a point and a half. Uh, LaMelo averages more rebounds than, than Fran Van Vliet does. In terms of what a player means more to the squad, I have to lean LaMelo. And then on top of the fact that you mentioned it, LaMelo has the fan votes. He has the support of the fans. He's one of the most popular players in the NBA. I think that that will ultimately get him over the top of Van Vliet. That being said, you guys are 100% right. Van Vliet has been playing excellent basketball. It shows in the statistics. It shows in the terms of how much his game impacts the team and their winning. So you guys make valid points. I just think in terms of who means more to their squad, Eileen LaMelo, who needs to be the best player on their team in order for them to have success, Eileen LaMelo. And in, in terms of who has the fan vote and who has the, the most popularity, not only do I, I lean LaMelo, I just think that that is just common knowledge. LaMelo is one of the most popular faces in the NBA. You mentioned that you've mentioned that Fred is only averaging like one and a half points more than LaMelo. LaMelo is only averaging like one and a half more assists no, it's than Fred. Point eight. It's 0.8. 0.8. So he, he's at 7.8 assists. He's averaging 7.8 and he has clean two rebounds over him. The reason why he's he's averaging more rebounds is because he's like the tallest player on. Dude. He's a big dude. Well, sure. he's the tallest Again, player Charlotte on Charlotte. Yeah, I was gonna say Charlotte does not have the big outside of Plumlee. So he has to be. He has to be down there. But you mentioned. Darius, you, oh, oh, is that what you're gonna say, Riff? I was gonna say uh, Darius Garland has the highest net rating out the three with a ten point three. Yeah, that's that's insane. But to to talk about that Lamella point, I mean, what they need him to be is a great defender. He's not a great or good. He's an average defender. And they're one of the reason why they're not in the playoff races because, or they're not in the playoffs right now, a top eight seed is because they're one of the worst defenses in the NBA, where Fred is one of the best defenders at his position in the NBA. It's tough to say that because you just look at the entirety of Charlotte. All, all around, they don't have defense. There's a reason why they are dead last in defensive rating. And there's no player on the team right now that plays defense. LaMelo still averages over a steal and a half a game. Not saying that steals are the end all be all of defense. It just shows that he has some active hands and he can play on ball, off ball defense. It's the terms of the totality of the team. Their defense as a whole is not it. And I agree with you. Fred Van Vliet's one of the better defenders at his position. He's displayed that more than one occasion. I just take the totality of what that one player, that one LaMelo ball means to the to their team. And I just think that I have to lean LaMelo. What do you uh, think, JC? I kind of I I'm I kind of agree with all of you. Um going on to, into the season, uh Fred Van Bleet, like he's a player that I just find myself watching his highlights whenever like just whenever I can just cuz I like the way he plays, I like his story. That being said, I mean, this season he's having a career year. He's giving you 22 points per game, 5 rebounds, 7 assists. We all alluded to that. Uh last year he was at 38, 39% field goal percentage. He upped that to 44. But the most impressive stat that I see on this stat sheet is the 40% three-point shooter that he's become this season. And it's not on slight attempts. He's attempting nine three-pointers a game this season, which is something that popped out to me. Attempted nine three-pointers a game this year, shooting 40%. I mean, uh, his last eight games, he's giving you 37 points, 19, 33, 35, 31, 27, 31. And then on top of that, the assist aspect of his game, that's actually improved as well because – there was an argument that was being made by some Raptors fans that they're saying Kyle Lowry was the was the, obviously the point guard, the better playmaker. 
They didn't think Fred Van Vliet could step into that role. They didn't think Fred Van Vliet had that ability to improve on that aspect of his game. But I mean, this season, he's he's averaging seven assists, and then in his last eight games, he's averaging basically eight point seven assists per game, nine assists a game. And you combine that with all the with the points, he's giving you twenty eight and basically nine a game in the, in this recent stretch. And then we're not even touching on the fact that as a small, undersized guard, he's definitely one of the best. Uh, defenders at his position. I mean, but this isn't, if you know Fred Van Bleed and you watch his game, I mean, this isn't something that's new. We've seen his defense on Steph Curry in the finals. We've seen his defense on Kemba Walker. We've seen his defense. You know, he's, he's a guy that is a very, very good defender for his size. And, um, you know, right now he's looking like the best player on Toronto. And I a hundred percent do think that he deserves the nod to get into the all-star game. I mean, there's the seventh seed right now and just what he's doing statistically as well as on both sides of the ball at that size, improving that in his scoring and his three point percentage, which before this season, he's never had a season where he's even cracked over, I think 37, 38%. The fact that he's taking almost 10 attempts a game and shooting 40, 40.5%, you could round it up to 41. It's like, it's really like it, it popped out to me on the stat sheet. So yes, I, I'm a firm believer that Fred Van Bleed hundred percent should get in the all-star game. I think that, I mean, he's, he's one of the most underrated players that I like to watch. And any chance I, I, I get to see him play, you know, I, I would like to see him as an all-star. I feel like he's earned it this year. Do you guys think that the Raptors are going to end up making the playoffs? Absolutely. Oh, for, for me, yeah, it's I'm sticking with him. I felt like when the season started, they were good enough. Their starting five was good enough to really make a push, and I feel like they had a good enough team. I trust Nick Nurse. They just had to stay healthy. So I'm, I'm staying on that path. They will make the playoffs. Yeah, they it's going to be close. You got the Hornets at eight, Wizards at nine, who I don't believe in. You have Knicks and Celtics, Hawks down the stretch. I can't, I can't personally. The fact that the Hawks are twelfth right now, Celtics are eleventh. I don't think that the Celtics are going to be anything relevant in terms of the grand scheme of things. But I can't count them out to to be a playing team. I can't count the Hawks out to be a playing team. For me, it's a wait and see. I think that the top six, I've, I firmly believe, are going to be playoff teams. Cavs, 76ers, Heat, Bucks, Nets, Bulls. That's, that, those are locks for me personally. But then you really look at from 7 to 12, these are really teams that can compete for the play-in. So I'm going to say to be determined because I can't count out the Hawks. I can't count out the Celtics. Pick a side, man. I think um, I think I don't <laughs> you know what I deserve. I deserve that. It's early in the season, though. Like We still haven't hit the all-star break. It's hard to say. Do they have a chance at being in the play-in? 100%. No doubt. They're playing really great ball. The fact that Siakam's back, that definitely elevates their team, too. We we mentioned all the the great that Van Vliet does. We can't can't forget about what Siakam brings, averaging over 20-plus a game, averaging over eight rebounds a game. He is a key part to this team and their success, and it is not a coincidence that he's back in the lineup and Frederico and him are having a great connection together. So – I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on the to be determined, but I will have an answer very soon. Um, I mean, out of all the teams that you named, I'm pretty sure you, you named the Wizards. Who else did you name? That's like around that Wiz- Wizards. So it's seven Raptors, eight Hornets, nine Wizards, ten Knicks, eleven Celtics, twelve Hawks. In my opinion, out of just hearing all those teams that are all in that bunch, I think Toronto has the best team, like on paper. Better than the Hawks? Of- yes, I do. I actually really do. And the now Hawks they get, have just been so banged they, up. That's if they, if, now if they get Ben Simmons and everything, then I'll have a change in mind. But I mean, 
the Raptors, I mean, the the play of Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, they're not even doing this. The OG. OG on OB, facts. Like, if you look at this team, Riv was right. I mean, in his preview for the Raptors, I mean, this team from top to bottom is what is well coached. And then they have the players that are just really, really good players. This is a really good team. I, 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 I think, would bookmark them in to make the playoffs. I think they're and, a lock for the play-in. That's 100%. The play-in, I can guarantee they'll get in. In terms of the actual playoffs itself, that's where I find it tough. I think the Celtics are going to miss the playoffs. Oh, the playing as well. Yes, no, no, I mean, probably not, probably not. But they'll miss the playoffs. I feel like you get in the playing, but you don't get the playoffs. It's like the playing is is you know what I'm saying. Like, playing gives you a chance, though. Boston might miss it. That's crazy. When the last time we was able to say that? 2014. Crazy. Yeah, that they yeah, they, they were they trash. 2014 yeah, or 2015. Something like that. I was like eight years ago. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, Riv, I, I, you know, to answer the question, I think that the Raptors will make the playoffs. I'll, I'm picking them to make the playoffs. Yeah. Join, the, join the chip, man. Join the train, man. We on it. Let's get you it. used to be a Raptor hater. I know. Yeah, things just changed. Yeah. Interesting. I used to be a Boston lover. I was really high on Boston. So, back in the 2019 finals, uh, when the Warriors and Raptors act played, Curry had a shot to win a game off a three-point shot off a screen, and he missed it. And it kind of feels like Curry's playing like playoff Steph Curry because he's playing like complete garbage in terms of his shooting splits, right? Um, the, the, the NBA just released their MVP ladder, and Giannis is one, KD is two, Jokic is three, Embiid is four, and Curry is five. In his last five games, he's shooting, he's averaging 21 points, Seven assists, five rebounds, shooting 31% from the field and 29% from three. And in the last 20 games, he's shooting 39% from the field and 36% from three, which is not like him at all. So this has kind of been a 20-game slump. But despite that, Golden State is still the second-best team in the West, and that's due to depth. That's because Curry always has a luxury of playing on a great team outside of last year, he's always had a stacked roster, and it's showing right now. So, Riv, I want to ask you, has this recent slump knocked him out of the MVP race, and do you think he's going to get back on track? Riv, before you go, let me say this really quick, because I'm almost 100% positive. Joel hopped on to the Steph Curry fan club. Oh, he absolutely I'm did. Like, oh, no, yeah, I'm about I, to like, burn him. No, Drew, don't, don't, even, don't even worry. I'm about to burn him. Don't, don't even... <laughs> Don't even worry about nothing that's about to go down, bro. Don't worry. Oh I'm going to answer. I'm going to answer a lot of questions. Well, for starters, listen, I can't. I've been trying my best to try to figure out what's been wrong with my boy. You know, I've been trying to, you know, you looking at. It's been keeping you up I've at just, night. I've been, try, I've, been, I've been trying to figure out what's, what's been wrong with him, you know, and it, it's 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 tough because I haven't found anything. But I will say this. His his start of December you know, ever since December started, he's been a little off. You know, he's had some good ones like against Memphis when he had 46 or against Phoenix. You know, he had 33. His just efficiency hasn't been it hasn't been bad, but it's been it hasn't been Steph Curry. Like, you know, he's still a bad. Just, people are saying this is a bad year for him. He's still cruising to a 27, six and five shooting 42, 38, 91 splits. So on any that's a that's an elite year for anybody else. But for Steph, the efficiency hasn't been there. And, you know. 
these last five games, you know, you look at the game against Dallas, 14 points, five for 24, one for nine from three. That was horrible. And then the stinker against Miami, you know, he had 10 assists, but he had nine points, three for 17, one for 10 from the three-point line. Before that, though, you know, against Utah, against Denver, against Phoenix, against the Grizzlies, against the Kings, he looked like he was starting to get it back on track. But these last two games have been stinkers. You know, I think everybody in front of him deserves that spot. You know, Embiid, the Joker, Giannis, Kevin Durant. You know, I think LeBron, you could probably make an argument he should be in front of him, although they're at the bottom of the, they're, they're not winning as much. You know, he's been impressive, but he's been losing in those big games. You know, he before that, he was winning against the bad teams, but he has some stretches where he was losing. But I think, you know, you can make an argument for DeMar who can be in front of him. You know, he just went undefeated in December. You know, he has the number one record in the East. But I don't think Steph is fully out of the MVP race because the MVP race for the top five guys is about runs. And even last year, Steph went on, a, not this bad, but Steph went on a little stretch where he wasn't that good. And then he racked off about 14, 15 games where he just went on an absolute historic tear towards the end of the season, got his team back in it. So I think with Steph, you know, he's one of those players where he can just get hot at any moment and it can last for weeks after weeks. So I don't think he's completely out of the MVP race. Plus, he's he has a number two record in the West. You know, so I think that is always going to keep him in. But this guy, this guy, Joel, <laughs> this guy out here, you know, hey. he was so quick to say, oh, Steph's played bad. You know, he, he, he. He talking about this is playoff Steph. That shot you're talking about, Steph averaged 30 in that series. Yeah, 30 points. No, it matters because when no, 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 no. It matters because when you bring up LeBron and his efficiency stinked in 2015, you still say he averaged 36, 35. So I can say that. And plus, he's let's not act like Steph is this horrible playoff performer. His efficiency just is. It turns into normal people efficiency. It's not the elite stuff that we know, but he's still one of the best players in the league. He's still, you look at his advanced numbers, he's still one of the most impactful players in the NBA. He didn't play and they lost to the Pelicans. So that's, he's still very important. You know, I just think right now, he, you have to drop him a few spots in the MVP race because he's been, he's had a few stinkers, granted, and they still won those games. You know, their depth is extremely huge. They have a lot of players, but Steph can still get in. He just needs to rack off his incredible performances like he always do. Now, 2022 has started, and it has not been kind to your boy, Steph Curry. Unfortunately, Steph Curry, from, from the field in the month of January since 2022 has started, shooting 27.1% from the field, from three, 25.8%, and he's averaging 17 points, eight rebounds, six assists. You'll take that. That being said... Do I think he's out of the MVP race? No. Riv said it perfectly. The top five, top seven really is a game of runs. That's basketball. And it's going to be similar with the MVP race. You have Kevin Durant, who's been pretty consistent all year. You have Giannis, who's going to be consistent all year. Uh, you, you, you mentioned Joel Embiid, who's recently thrown himself into that the MVP race. Joker is going to be right in that race as well. I think LeBron's going to start slowly but surely push himself into that race. DeMar DeRozan, you mentioned it. He should be in, in higher consideration than he is right now. Personally, I would have him over Steph Curry. You, you hit it right in the nose. He had an unbelievable month in December. Should have been player of the month. Did not win that award. I don't think Steph Curry should have won player of the month in December either. I thought he that should have went to December. LeBron. He, he did win in December. December. He won in November. Oh, Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell. correct. Yeah. Apologize. Uh, that being said, uh, Steph Curry is struggling right now. 
And I don't think that is going to continue the way that it has. He's not going to shoot one of nine from three, one of 10 from three every single night. Have we seen it in back-to-back nights ever in Steph Curry's career this bad in the regular season? No. This is the first time we're really seeing Steph Curry really be human from the three-point line. But I think that it's inevitable that he finds it. He's Steph Curry. He's the best shooter ever. He'll find the stroke. Right now, he's just going through a little bit of a rough patch. Every player goes through it. It's just unfortunate. Steph, we've never seen it from him and from three outside of the playoffs. Uh, sorry, Riv. I just had to throw that out there. Um, that, uh, that being said, uh, <laughs> that being said, He's not out of the MVP race, but he's definitely not my favorite to win it by any means. And I don't think he's going to win MVP. Who's your favorite? My favorite right now? It's tough. I mean, I had Giannis as my my preseason MVP candidate, and I think that he is in a firm position to win it. That being said, do not, do not, do not sleep on that boy from Ohio. He has 21 wins, bro. And that means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme. It of means when everything. your boy Steph Curry, when your boy Steph Curry was in MVP consideration last season and was not even in the playoffs. So I don't want to see that it's not a conversation that he can win it because he definitely can. I didn't say it was he's a number two. In, he's number two in points right now, and he's number four in PER. So let's let's cool you it. And he's PER. playing. <laughs> and he's playing. And he's playing center. Oh my god! For five games against and nobody. We're five and zero. Oh. Against nobody. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to <laughs> All right. That. Okay. All right. Uh, is it my turn or is it your turn, Joel? Oh, it's Doesn't your matter. turn. I, I said what yeah, I had to say. I, all right, bet. So, um, Steph Curry, yes, he has uh, kind of knocked himself out of the MVP race, so he, it, but it's not – I did like the struggles that he's having, this is not going to – obviously, it's not going to stick for forever. I mean, Clay Thompson's coming back on Sunday. That's going to be an added floor spacer. And I feel like, you know, I see like a lot of the defenses nowadays, when you watch the Warriors game, Steph Curry's the greatest shooter, they key in. That's why the Splash Brothers complement each other so well. Now you try to double team Steph, you're leaving Clay open. If Clay gets hot, Steph's open. That's why they work so well together. Uh, but, you know, his recent struggles, it happens. I mean, there was a point in time where Kevin Durant kind of went through a little slump in the season. He's maintained a pretty good level of consistency, but everybody's going to go through a slump. I mean, Joel Embiid at the start of the season was top five in the MVP race, found himself out of it because of COVID and because of a couple injuries. So this is a, a list that's always fluctuating. This is not going to be a list that uh, that's that stays. But as of right now, I do agree with the, with the MVP ladder. I do agree that Joel Embiid should be over him. I do agree Jokic. Kevin Durant and Giannis are over him, but this by any stretch of the imagination doesn't mean that Steph Curry can't heat up next week. And with, with the way his team's winning and his team's record, this doesn't mean that he can't heat up and get right back to that top spot. I mean, at the end of the day, the Warriors are where they are. They're the number two seed in the West. They're right behind the Phoenix Suns. Clay Thompson comes back. If Steph Curry has a, 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 a five to seven game span where he's ridiculous like we know he can be he'll be right back into that mvp race but you know he's having a little slump right now obviously he hasn't had a slump that's been this prolonged in his career but other than that no it's not over for steph curry in the mvp race because this is a couple weeks ago we were just talking about this guy being the running away with the mvp and all this stuff and he has a couple he's had he's had a stretch of bad games but i mean this is still the greatest shooter of all time this is still Steph Curry, who's going to get his running mate, Clay Thompson, back on Sunday tomorrow, which I'm excited for. And then just for them to work off each other, I think that would take immense pressure off Steph Curry being the main, 
you know, the main floor space or the main focus. Now with Clay Thompson, you're going to have to watch Clay Thompson and all these other guys as they continue to hit threes at the clip they've been hitting at and keep having this career season. Steph Curry's going to just, Steph Curry's going to find his way back into this MVP race. So no, I mean, it's not over Steph Curry to win, but with the, with the way the ladder is, I do agree that those four candidates should be above them, but it's far from over for Steph Curry to get that number one spot in the MVP race. It's it's not. And it's funny because, you know, Joel's going to have his little jokes, you know. <laughs> Drew's having his little moment right here because he's a LeBron guy. And Steph, you know, he's he's struggling from not just from the three-point line, from the two-point, you know, from the two-point foot. He's dropped in that two layups. He's not like – he's just not – he hasn't been his efficient self. But what has been consistent this year is when a big moment – when a big moment is coming, he shows up. Let's just throw some examples in. You know what I'm uh-huh. saying? Let's, let's uh-huh. just throw some examples in this regular season. Let's throw some examples. Brooklyn. Let's use Brooklyn as an example. They go to Brooklyn. Kevin Durant is the profound MVP favorite. This, that, and the third. He goes in there, puts 37 on them. They're cheering Another Steph season. MVP. Who cares? Trey Young. Trey Young. They're talking about he's the next coming to Steph. This is the guy supposed to take over the league. Steph said, okay, 50. He's not me. He'll never <laughs> be me. Let's, let's, let's talk about Memphis. Memphis, this team. They're, they're, they're the Warriors stoppers. Dylan Brooks, he's the Curry stopper. This guy is supposed to be the guy that stops Curry. 40, twice. <laughs> this guy is... He, the regular like, season, bro. Phoenix, like, Phoenix. No Let's talk about Phoenix. Phoenix, Look, Phoenix, bro, Phoenix Joel, how many them. regular season games Phoenix, did you mention? Phoenix beats them. That's what the, the MVP same is, week, though. They go to the same... He goes into Phoenix. He doesn't have his guys. A lot of his guys are not playing. What does he do? 33, victory. It, it, it's stuff like that. Regular season. No one cares. What do you mean? It's an MVP. You want to talk about the playoffs? The regular season awards. Saying doesn't, let's, no, let's we're talk talking about who doesn't hold come. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on Drew, let's season. talk about the playoffs. Let's talk about the playoffs. Warriors up 2-1 against Portland. Steph comes back. He, he was hurt. Steph comes back. 17 points in overtime. W. You want to talk about, you okay. want to talk about moments? Okay. Down 3-1. Okay. Against Oklahoma City Thunder. Granted, Clay went crazy, but don't forget that boy that put up 30 points in three straight games. Game five, game six, game seven. You want to you want to talk about moments? We, can we, I ask you? Can I ask wait, you about wait, wait, last I'm season? Not done. Can I'm not done. Last season? How about Houston, last season? Against Houston. What about in last season? Their home court in Houston. They felt like they had it. They feel like Kevin Durant's injured. We can win. Steph goes in the first half. He reads all the tweets. Every tweet possible. This guy's trash. He's not playing good. Joel probably in the crib giggling. Yeah, Houston. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What does Steph do? 33 in a half. This is what he does. You want to talk about last year. But we could talk about last year. Let's talk about it. From an individual standpoint, what did he do to your Lakers? He put he fear him. in your boy's eyes. What did he mean, do in the fourth listen, quarter? Listen, listen. He put fear. And when I mean fear, I mean your boy LeBron was scared to death. Oh, was he? Because he, was it was MNAD. When he was MNAD when he was, was struggling, was struggling right against Get Steph. Get out of here. All right. You, could, you know, he made a shot. It's LeBron. Like, he made the shot. It was a great. It was stupid. He, he, I can't see. You could see, bro. Shut up. But he made the shot. <laughs> it was a good shot. But let's not act like Steph didn't show up for that. He showed up. What about up the Grizzlies? And the Grizzlies? 
He showed up for that. Stop that. Draymond, you heard Draymond had a heart attack and shot him Florida. <laughs> I don't know what he did. Like, it's not Steph's fault, bro. Like, let's, you talk about don't show up. They needed Steph to be amazing. And Steph got them to that play. And they wasn't like they were struggling. And Steph turned up. Let's not act like Steph don't have these moments because Steph has the moments. You can talk about the finals. And I can't give you nothing with the finals. He ain't been great in the finals. But anything so matters most. Anything prior. No, because you have to get there. Anything prior to the finals, what, WCF, ask that boy right there. He's a Harden fan. Ask him. Anything prior to that finals, Steph has been there. Like, he's been there. So two, WCF, 2011, round, LeBron didn't round. choke, even though everything before then, he was amazing, right? What? LeBron 2011, LeBron was unbelievable in that, that run to get to the finals. Oh, he and then he amazing. choked. He didn't he choke. Right, so then Steph, so Steph Curry, when it, when it matters most. Curry what, never what averaged 17 the in the finals, though. He's yeah, dead come on, bro. Everything. 17 isn't crazy. It's, Steph Curry, you know, Steph Curry is actually one of the few players that average 25, 6, and 5 in a finals and th- three final series. Like, he's done that. His numbers LeBron's are actually really it. good. Enough. His numbers are actually really good. So stop disrespecting him like he don't have these moments. Steph has these moments. He's the greatest shooter in life. Man, he's changed the, only the game. Reason I'm he's changed the game because, of bro, they're basketball. trying to put him on. Bro, what pe- the only what, reason what? I'm disrespecting, they're trying to put this man, Steph Curry's name, in the grand scheme of things, on LeBron and Michael. He Steph has Steph Curry's in that name. Go. I'm going to tell you why he's... I'm going to no, tell you why he's... I'm gonna t- listen, no, he's I'm going to tell no, you not. why he's... Listen, I'm going to tell you why. He's not in there in terms of talent or accolades, but in terms of... Cha- if you talk about changing the game of basketball, okay. who's All changed right. the game of basketball? Steph is in that conversation. Yes, he's no changed duh. the game That's just obvious. like Michael Jordan. I'm talking about he's changed the talent. game like LeBron James. He's changed irrelevant. the game. So what are you talking about? You can't, you can't sit there and say Steph's not... What do you mean irrelevant? You wouldn't watch hoops if it wasn't for Steph Curry. Steph Curry what changed the game. Talking what are you talking about? That's not true. I would watch hoops because LeBron James is is and still has and still is the best player in the Riff, world. Riff, you make an excellent point. And all those Curry moments, you're right. He's shown he's shown in, in moments before. He he comes up big time in those moments. And I 100% agree with you. I told you that. I'm a Curry fan, man. He's I'm a fan of him. Yo, this man has mental illness. He has mental illness. <laughs> Curry is one of my favorite players in the NBA. He's an electric. I think he's going to be in the MVP conversation because he's going to have a run this season that's going to make everybody open their eyes to who Steph Curry really is. And Drew, right you, you now you're doubting him. Drew, right you now you're Drew, right now you're no. I I was just stating <laughs> earlier. Earlier I was just stating facts. I was just stating the facts of what what is and what isn't. And the numbers I I laid out. That's the facts of what happens. But do I believe in Steph Curry? One hundred percent. He's the baby faced assassin. He's the baby faced assassin. Drew, what am I scared of? What am I scared of? Clay come back tomorrow. It's really gonna get Uh. frightening for you. Oh my goodness, I can't believe. Oh God, Steph Clay coming back is so lack. Drew, you actually. Drew, the only thing you're hoping for is Avery Bradley. That's what you're hoping for. That's the type of things you're excited about. Malik Monk, Avery Bradley, those type of guys. You know, THT, him being good for a day, those type of performances. You're excited THT's about that. he has been balling lately. I don't want to hear yeah, that. Yeah, I know. You played Portland with Tony Snell. Anybody cooks Tony Snell. I know. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was December 31st. There's been games since. Okay, bro? Oh, okay. Yeah. Atlanta. Everybody. So, Drew, you mentioned something interesting right there. You, you, you made a comment. That LeBron still is the best player in the NBA. Is that what you Amen. believe? I firmly do believe that. Why? Why? What am I supposed to say that really is going Truth. to deter me from from believing that LeBron has the highest effective field goal percentage outside of all big men? Name it. He has a higher effective field goal. Is that percentage. higher than Giannis too? Or Giannis is a big man? Yes, higher than Giannis. Higher than KD. Higher than Zach Levine. 
Zach Levine's actually second among those guys where he's shooting 58, LeBron's shooting 59. And shout out to Levine. You know he's my, my opinion. And that's tragic. And I'm praying that he makes a speedy recovery. No, no, back. he's been hurt for 15 games, bro. Levine's been out that long? No, I he thought he had been COVID. He's, he's been, been hurt. Out. He hasn't been out. He's oh, been so hurt. he's just been playing hurt. Yeah, he's been And he's hurt. still this nasty. Yeah. Okay, he's God bless him. <laughs> that being said, we talk about LeBron and him and his effectiveness on the field. Now, I had to crunch some numbers because nobody's going to calculate the numbers while he's at the center position because against Memphis, we had Dwight Howard play center for us. And firmly, now that I, I can understand hindsight and hindsight gives me the most crystal clear vision, I believe that he should have played center that game too because why not? I'm looking at these numbers. And in these five games that LeBron has – played the center position for us. He has a field goal percentage of 53.3%. He is shooting 38% from three. He has 8.8 rebounds a game, six and a half assists, and averaging 32.8 points per game. Right now, LeBron is averaging 28.7 points per game. That is the second highest in the NBA. He has a PER of 24.34. That is fourth highest in the NBA. And now we're asking a 37-year-old man in year 19 to not just transition to the center position, but two years ago, we had him transition to the point guard position. What did he do? He averaged 10 assists a game, led the league in assists. Now we're here in 2022. And now we're asking LeBron to play the center position for us. And he is playing it at 35% of the time. LeBron is our center. And LeBron, right now, in terms of points per post-up, he's averaging 1.18 points per post-up. In in possessions, as the role man, he's averaging 1.48 points per per roll. LeBron is one of the most versatile offensive players. And it it really (laughs) upsets me in the sense where he never gets mentioned in, in best scorers. But name a more versatile ball player on offense than LeBron James. Versatile offensive player. I'm not talking about scoring. I'm talking about versatility on the offensive side of the ball. He can he can play make as great as any player in NBA history. People like to criticize his free throw percentage. His free throw percentage is up to 78% this year. Last year, he shot six, uh, just under, I think it was 68 to 69% from the free throw line. Regardless of what you want to say on 78%, that is a huge stride, especially in year 19 for him to increase that, that number as drastically as he, ha- as he has. The Lakers, as River has mentioned, time in, time out, are not good, right? Talent-wise, roster-wise, we're not that good. We've been playing no one. But regardless of that fact, LeBron has still willed us on his back. He mentioned earlier, and, and as he was given praise, LeBron is the oldest player in NBA history to have 25 points per game in 10 straight games at that age. He surpassed Rivers go Michael Jordan as the oldest player who did it at 34 years old. This is three years removed from that. And LeBron's not only doing that at, at an efficient level, he is doing it at a different position than what he has in his entire career. Prior to this year, he had only played the center position one percent of the time in his entire career so the fact that he's able to do this at this point in time you still look at Kevin Durant how efficient he is offensively does he provide you the defense that LeBron does does he supply you with the versatility that LeBron does does he provide you with the playmaking that LeBron does you look at Giannis 
Giannis is, is, is it has a great case too because he has the points, he has the defense. But does he does he supply you with that defense with the with the playmaking that that LeBron does? Does he supply you with that versatility of being able to play the one through five? In year 19 at age 37, we're still witnessing the greatest to ever do it. And we have to sit back and marvel at it. Are you saying we're witnessing the greatest to ever do it still be the best in the game? Correct. I want you to say that. (laughs) That's That is exactly what I said. I want you to say it now. I said it right now. In year 19 at the age 37, we're witnessing the greatest player of all time still be the best player in the NBA and in the world. LeBron is not the best player in the league right now. Who's better? And, 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 you know, this question is so it's, it can go so many ways. You know, I think Kevin Durant, you know, being as how deadly he's been, you know, you're talking about LeBron, but Kevin Durant in these last eight, nine games has been just as amazing you look at Giannis, his two-way play, him being one of the best two-way players in the league, his dominance on offense and defense, it's incredible. You know, I'm looking at those three guys. You look at you looking at the Joker this year. You know, this, the, the best player in the league is such a, like this year, I feel like it can go in multiple different directions, but I'm, I'm going to just stick with these three guys because obviously Steph had his stinkers, so I can't throw him in right now. So I'm going to stick with Kevin Durant versus Giannis. Versus LeBron James. I'm going to stick with these three guys right here. We're going to talk about these three guys. Kevin Durant has consistently been the most dominant scorer in the league this year. Can, we, we can agree on that. He's been that guy. They've been. I don't know about that. LeBron has the most 30 point games this season over every other player in the NBA. I'm talking about from an efficiency standpoint. Fair enough. You got it there, even from, though LeBron's been very efficient. But fair, I mean, from, that's from a good point. Two-pointer from the three-pointer. Like, you talk about 78%. Kevin Durant has never been 78% in his life. Like, fair enough. In his life. You know, I'm looking at the fact that he's been a number two or a number one seed all season. He's been constantly winning, no matter what his number two guy is doing, whether he's struggling, whether he's doing his thing, whether who's playing. Kevin Durant just won with a bunch of rookies like two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. So Kevin Durant has been, and I'm looking at Giannis and I'm looking at his department. That team has been hit with COVID. That team, the guys have been in Atlanta, but he's still been dominant on defense, offense. And of course, LeBron, you're looking at LeBron. He's been, you know, offensively. This is probably one of the best LeBron we've ever seen. He's been elite from the three-point line, but it's just hard. Like not even on no hate. And it's just hard for me to say LeBron, is because I feel like all three of them have performed at around the same level, but Katie and Giannis have just been winning, you know, and winning really puts you over the top. We know this winning changes everything. Winning puts you in that category. And right now, Kevin Durant and Giannis have been winning. We had a sudden cutoff there. And unfortunately, that's one of the reasons why we hate recording through Zoom because technology is unpredictable. And because of that, uh, we I lost basically most of Riv's monologue because Zoom kicked me out uh, for some reason. But what Riv was basically saying is that you think what's separating LeBron and the other players from being the best in the world are, are that the other players have similar numbers, but they're also winning as well. So back to the question, you don't believe LeBron is the best player in the world, Riv? No, I, I feel like Kevin Durant is the best player in the league right now. I've been saying that since the beginning of the season. I'm going to stand on that. I think he's played at that same level since he started, and his team has continuously been winning. And I think Giannis is the second best player in the NBA right now. But LeBron is right there at three. I feel like they've all been at that similar level. It's just 
you know, what's separating them, like I said, is winning. You know, Giannis and Kevin Durant, respectfully, are at the top of their conferences. Number two seed and number three seed, I believe, for the Bucks or four, three or four. But they've been consistently winning. You know, LeBron and the Lakers, you know, LeBron went on a stretch where he was he had 30 point games and they didn't win none of them, you know, and granted, they just picked it back up. But still, he's had these moments where he's looked elite, but they haven't gotten wins. You know, with Giannis and Kevin Durant, they've been consistently winning. So that's what puts them over the top for me. Do you think LeBron's the best, JC? Uh, as I watch more games, uh, I, I previously had LeBron as anywhere from the four to five. But on this tear that he's been on, I mean, I mean, it, it's eye opening. I don't think he's better than Kevin Durant because. A lot of Lakers fans and everybody that like to talk about the the situation that LeBron's in. Well, Kevin Durant's been in a tough situation as well. His second best player in James Harden has been widely inconsistent all year. Uh, he's his whole team was out for COVID. Kevin Durant went three and one with rookies like David Duke, Dayron Sharp, Kessler Edwards. These are guys that if you're not really in tune with basketball, you don't know who they are. So mm. um, he's won games with them against Toronto, who's who's we all picked, or at least three of us picked. Drew's on the He's on the verge of not calling them a playoff team. He has to see more. He's beating them fully healthy with intact. He's beating Philly fully healthy intact with those with those young guys. So he's he's done it. He's he's been the most consistent part of the Nets in their in their winning that they've been doing. Um, another a thing that kind of like like kind of kills the case, and I will agree with Drew because he has said this on multiple occasions. Is you know the Nets don't win against the big the big teams that they're supposed to play. So you Drew could rebuttal me with that. And I wouldn't really have anything to say, but you could just say the Lakers don't either. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I was gonna say. The Lakers, the Lakers haven't either. And the Lakers actually did get beat by the Nets without Kevin Durant as well on Christmas Day. But I mean, with that being said, Kevin Durant's been the common denominator of success for the Brooklyn Nets, albeit with James Harden being out or him playing with a bunch of rookies, or even when you saw when he was absent, I think the team went one and two. They got that one game in LA. No, the two and two, they got the two wins in LA and then lost the next two without Kevin Durant. So uh Kevin Durant for me is the number one and the MVP candidacy just because he's been consistent all year and he's won with what's been given with him. Now, Giannis, same reason. Giannis, uh, just last night, he played against Kevin Durant and won without Drew Holiday, who's having a great year, borderline all-star, another guy. Uh, the Bucks have dealt with a lot of COVID uh, issues as well, Chris Middleton being in and out of the lineup as well. The Bucs haven't been the healthiest team. A lot of people forget that at the start of the season, the Milwaukee Bucks were six and eight at one point in the season and were basically in the plan. We all know that that wasn't going to last. But once Giannis got his team intact for those next couple of games, I think they have the best record when they when their big three plays. I believe they're anywhere from 16 and two to 15 and two with them. Giannis is dominant on both sides of the basketball looking like a DPOY candidate, probably won't win because Draymond Green's been that spectacular this year on defense, but still, nonetheless, Giannis is still one of the best defenders in the league. And then if you look at just his raw points per game and everything, Giannis is averaging about 27, 28 points per game, giving you 13 rebounds, giving you six assists, doing Giannis-like things. And I just think just, just off the fact that those two guys are winning and have won, I would put them over LeBron. But in no sense of the imagination am I saying that LeBron's not anywhere near those guys' level because we're just strictly talking about as a player, he's every bit as good as Giannis and Kevin Durant. It's just he's been – he just hasn't really been winning. But just because of the winning aspect of it, I would put Kevin Durant one, Giannis two, and LeBron three in the world right now, in my opinion. Last week we kind of gave John slack for this, but Nikola Jokic might be the best player in the world. He might he's, be the best. He's another one. I would – I just – 
off a respect factor, I'm just going to give it to LeBron. But that's an argument that 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 was an argument that I was making with myself between Jokic and LeBron. I actually do think that's 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 a pretty respectable debate. It's not disrespectful to compare them this year because Jokic has been phenomenal as well. I think it's just funny how the media and people like to push LeBron in this in this conversation, but forget that the Joker is winning with less. For the role you know, players. Yeah, there is nobody playing for them, but yet he's he's doing like some things with that team. Granted, they're not they're they're probably breaking even at the, they're probably one up like probably nineteen or eighteen I think at this point. But he doesn't have Jamal Murray. Michael Porter Jr. went down. You know he's missing like he's missing a lot of his guys. Yep. You know, and he's still not doing his thing. I mean, like granted, LeBron's performances have been great, but we got to give like there's a lot of guys in this MVP race that really deserve some credit, you know, that they've been doing some spectacular things with their team. You know, it's it's going to be tough this year because, like you said, with with the Joker and LeBron, they have to win more. Right. With KD and Giannis, they have to just continue to success. But what's going to happen to guys creeping in like Steph and B, DeMar, like those guys trying to creep into the race like those guys are also winning, too. So it's like. This MVP race is really going to determine, like, does winning really matter or is it just about individual, like, individual success and what they're doing? You got anything to say, Drew, about that? It's interesting how we are bringing in Jokic into the conversation, and I don't disagree. I think Jokic has been fantastic. Best player in the world? You, 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 criticize, you criticize my Lakers because we're not winning, but we're a higher seed than the Nuggets are right now. And I'm not disagreeing with your point that the Nuggets have no one right now because that's 100% true. But now we're starting to see the Lakers team get healthy, get their guys back from COVID. We're finally seeing play the basketball that we, can, that we know that we came into the season that we could play. And we're doing this without our second best player in Anthony Davis. Once AD comes back, It'll be interesting to see what we decide to do with our lineup. Is LeBron going to stay at the five and allow Anthony Davis to stay at his his natural position at the four? He likes to play the power forward position. I've been very adamant in this position. I think that the Lakers need to have AD play the five if we want to be a championship caliber team. But given the fact that LeBron has shown this versatility of being able to play the center position, would it be out of the realm of possibility to see LeBron run at the five and AD run at the four to allow to, to, to cater to Anthony Davis and his needs on the court? We're starting to see LeBron and Russell gain a connection, too. And this is all based on our guys coming together, finally getting the team chemistry that we've needed, that we've lacked, given the fact that guys have just been constantly in and out of the lineup. And in terms of regarding the best player in the world, Jokic has a good case. And, and that's a very fair point. What, what he he does is second you see his numbers advanced analytic when he's on the court when he's off they're one of the best teams in the league when when he's on the court when he's off the court they're one of the worst teams in the league but you take lebron off the lakers it's a, it's a similar story the lakers are a lottery team without lebron it's that simple so that whole case is kind of teeters for me because i know the value that lebron holds and i know the value that Jokic holds but the fact that lebron's averaging more points lebron's averaging more assists he still has he doesn't have a higher PER than what Jokic has because Jokic has having one of those all-time great PER type seasons. It's not it's one of those that's not going to remain because that's just how the NBA works. Slowly but surely it will start to go down. But that being said, I still take LeBron's versatility. I still take LeBron's athleticism. I still take his scoring. I have a question. Because it's it's just like what what makes you think 
that's that the, that the Lakers have got it figured it out. Like a a a, a drug a, a drag out win against the Kings, uh, a win against Minnesota, a five point win against Minnesota with no cat. I mean, like a a win against Portland and only Dame played. Then you lost to the Grizzlies. Then you beat the Rockets by Grizzlies nine points. Team. You beat the Rockets by nine points. Then before that, was that handling. before we that, handled them before that, you lost to Brooklyn. You lost to the Spurs. You lost to Phoenix. You lost to Chicago. You lost to Minnesota. So it's like, what have you, like, what, like, this little run you have, it's cute. Our lineups, all right, I'll tell you this, and I'll answer your question very simply. Our lineups that we've dished out have been very interesting. You see with LeBron and, and Dwight Howard. They struggle when they're on the court together. The offensive rating is horrible. I have it right here. Give me one second. I'll pull it up for you. When LeBron and Dwight Howard are on the court, their their offensive rating is 126.4, which is is pretty good. But their defensive rating is 118.5. When it's just LeBron, their offensive rating is 118.1. Their defensive rating is 110.9, which is better in terms of defensive rating. So we see how the lineups change and, and how we played against the Grizzlies. We had Dwight Howard start that game. He had a plus, a plus rating, as you mentioned before, that being said, in those minutes that he's played, that he played, it halts the way that our offense can work, that can work together. You bring in Stanley Johnson. Now he allows a little bit more spacing. We need to, to start running this small ball lineup. And we've seen that we can have some success when we run this small ball lineup. This is the first time in LeBron's career that he's ever had to run a small ball lineup outside of the series against Houston where they had to, to cater to their small ball lineup. But that's even still, they had Anthony Davis running the five. So you have LeBron being the second, I think, I don't know, I'm off the top of my head. I couldn't tell you how tall Stanley is, but I know Six, that he's a, he's a power forward. So LeBron's the tallest player on the Lakers court at 6'8". So the fact six, that LeBron nine. has had to... Oh, he's 6'9"? Six, six, he's listed six, as 6'9 nine, nine nine now. Yeah. Uh. So, the, so the fact that we have LeBron learning this new system so rapidly... But still, it needed to take some time to get here. Frank Vogel has messed with the, with the lineups a lot. We're finally getting Malik Monk now into the starting lineup. We see that his capabilities, the whole issue of, of Buddy Heald wanting to come to our squad, right? That's the, the big name that we should have traded for instead of Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook hasn't been great efficiency-wise, but rebounding and playmaking, he's been fantastic for us. And in terms of shooting the ball, Malik Monk has shot the ball at a more efficient rate than, than Buddy Heald has this season, both three-point land and from the field. So that Malik Monk coming in and him giving us the spark that he has, has elevated us tremendously. And now we need THT to play as consistent as he's had these last couple of games. When he struggles, the Lakers as a whole struggle. But now we figured out the small ball lineup and we're having success. You heard that. I, just, THT just really makes interested. the Lakers go. I'm just really interested this month. I'm really going to tune in this month because you got road games against. I'm not. You got you got you play tomorrow. At Memphis, uh, in, in L.A., you play Memphis. Not really acknowledging the Kings. You play Denver. Then you got Utah, not acknowledging Indiana, Orlando. Then you got Miami, Brooklyn, Philly, Charlotte, Atlanta, all on the road. So I'm really going to be curious to lock in on you guys 
and see because these are much better games and these are more competitive teams. So let's see if this smoke because you now you play Embiid. Now you have to play Kevin Durant. Hopefully Bam out of Bayou's back. Now you have to play him. So let's see what this small ball lineup is looking like. Then you got the Joker. So I'm really I want to see LeBron at the five. Show me something. Play him at the five against the Joker. Let's see. Let's see what happens. I really want to see it. Let's see if that works. Go ahead. I'm looking and then Embiid. Play him at the play. He's two fifty, right? Go ahead, throw him against Embiid. Let's see if it happens. So I'm really interested to see what this looks like, honestly. So um, before my computer shuts Zoom off again, before uh, we have any more stumblings because technology is very inefficient sometimes, we are going to cut this episode here right now because as this goes on, Riv's room continues to get darker and darker by the minute. getting dark over here, man. (laughs) Soon I'm not going to be able to see you anymore. So you can find us on Twitter at Pick Aside Pod on Instagram and TikTok at Pick Aside Podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube. Drop this episode a like. It helps us out tremendously. You can buy Pick Aside merch at PickAsidePodcast.com. The link will be in the description. And if you want access to our Discord, you can join our Patreon. We are mostly always active, so we're always talking with you guys. So thank you for listening for to episode out. 144 of the Pick Aside Podcast. We greatly appreciate it, and we'll see you next time.